Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. And also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find us at the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And tonight we'll have a special guest who is called by his folks the coolest, most politically incorrect conservative black man on the planet. And that will be Rod Eckless. And we've got here from his promo that Rod is a strong constitutional conservative which Rod believes in the Constitution of the United States of America and that the Founding Fathers were on the right track when they created and established our nation. Uh, when people meet Rod, they describe him as being logical, factual, truthful, and historical. Rod is an entrepreneur, having started a successful landscaping business while living in New York State. He also launched a successful dry cleaning service, uh, which now he owns three businesses. Rod uses his social marketing and advertising skills 
in order to help small businesses put together a great marketing plan and also reaches out to businesses in the community in order to help soldiers find gainful employment upon returning home from their tours of duty. Rod is also a contributor with the lonely conservative, conservative base, the Dr. Rich Swire, and Bulge Cannon Common Sense Politics, Clash Daily, Planet Press, and Friends of Liberty. Uh, you can also listen to Rod live on Constitutional Patriot Radio, SHR Media Daily, Red State Radio, and War Radio with Wayne Dupre, uh, which actually we're trying to get some folks uh, from there on uh, the show as well. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that. And you can also hear them on K98 Talk, Pundit Press Radio, Cavern Keepers Radio, iTunes, Stitch Radio, Player FM, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and soon on ZDRN. And that's a lot of proliferation of uh, being on the radio there, so definitely want to hear more about that. Uh, so, of course, join us uh, in the fast-growing fan base, they say. And tune in as Ron delivers the truthful truth behind news, politics, current events, and pop culture. So we're looking forward to uh, hearing him on the show. Uh, through my understanding, he's actually uh, finished up with the show and doing some uh, producing or you know, after-show uh, projects. Uh, so he will be in on the second hour uh, tonight, so we're looking forward to uh, speaking with him. And definitely check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And we'll hear from the Patriot Journalist Network later on in the show. Uh, so we'll get to that. I want to make sure I got that out. Uh, so we will be bringing a panelist soon, uh, just looking at the articles. Because of course, we know that uh, election 2016 is starting to uh, run its gears. And at least uh, according to the Cook brothers, who they believe uh, that the five contenders so far uh, for the 2016 presidential GOP uh, race uh, for the primary. Uh, so far as Governor Scott Walker, which I believe a uh, few folks uh, on our panel can talk more about that. And then also Florida Governor Jeb Bush, which he hasn't thrown his hat in yet, I don't believe, uh, at least officially, but there's talk. Senator Ted Cruz and Paul, and uh, recently Marco Rubio of Florida. looks like, uh, of course, it's very early. So the Cook brothers have not uh, put their weight behind anyone, or should I say their pocketbook behind anyone. So we'll see how that develops. Of course, uh, folks here who are familiar with the show still uh, know that I will hope uh, that Newt Gingrich will uh, enter into the race. I think that would be phenomenal. And I think it would have a very good chance this time around of winning the nomination. And perhaps we'll talk more uh, about that tonight. so I'm definitely, of all those I mentioned, definitely not a fan of Jeb Bush. Uh, you know, Rand Paul, yeah, I don't know about Rand Paul. Uh, and then Marco Rubio, definitely not, uh, just because I think, uh, and even Rand Paul, I think in some ways, uh, will kowtow to the um, to the establishment. And one thing I do uh, want to go ahead and bring up while we're waiting for our guest in is I've seen a post by our, our panelist, Cindy, uh, which I'll be bringing on, uh, where she was taking note of uh, some of the things that the Republicans, even though they are uh, have the majority of the House and Senate, seem to still be uh, kowtowing to the Democrats, and I think, and to President Obama, 
I think uh, Cindy, where she made a post on Facebook, and maybe talk a little bit more about that. So let's go ahead and uh, and then Kelly, I see you on the line. Just push the one on your number dial well, when you are ready to uh, come in. And anyone else who would like to uh, chime in, give us a call at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight, and I will get you into the show. Uh, just be patient, but I promise I will get you in. And one of the things we do different here on Bard's Logic Political Talk is once you get into the show. You uh, stay on the show and join our roundtable discussion. So it's not like others where you call in and you're on the show for about five minutes, and then we say thank you for coming on and call again. Uh, you get to stay as long as you like. And I try to bring the show back to each person uh, with as much equal time as I possibly can as part of our roundtable discussion. And if you do call in early, we uh, you have a shot of getting a hold of and speaking with our guest, uh, Rod, tonight uh, when he comes in at the top of the next hour. So again, if you'd like uh, to give us a call at 347-945-7428 and push the one on your number dial, and then I'll get on and uh, just see, uh, get your name and where you're hailing from, and uh, we'll get you into the show. Uh, but first, uh, let's go ahead and bring Cindy on. Uh, Cindy, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Well, um a bit mad, a bit riled. You might want to look out. I might start yelling, but I'm okay. <laughs> well, uh, as you can see by my post, um, this thing about the nomination of, of Lynch for uh, Attorney General to replace Holder, that has me really upset. And... Um, this just tells that this whole situation tells me establishment has chosen Jeb Bush and they're allowing him to just go out and say whatever the heck he wants to say. He can do no wrong. And if he sides with Obama, too bad. Um, but anyway, he's the one who encouraged McConnell and all the rest of those idiots to um, go ahead and allow the, the uh, nomination uh, process for for Lynch to go forward, uh, making her the new Attorney General. And I guess you might have seen my other post. Somebody posted it, and I shared it. That uh, actually, that I, this came to me as an email from a friend. That she uh, uh, Lynch is actually a very good friend of Holder's wife from back in her college days. They were roommates. Of course. They were roommates. So basically we're setting up a shield of protection uh, for Holder and Obama when the lawsuits start coming, when the uh, criminal trials start coming, um, and she'll be there to say, there's nothing to this suit, there's nothing to this trial. This is a Republican play, um, to, to make the Democrats look bad because the election's coming up, you know, all the regular stuff is going to come down. Um, and so they'll shame the Republicans into doing whatever they want. And guess who, you know, initiated the whole thing? Well, it, apparently it was good old Jebby Boy who encouraged them to go ahead and go forward with the nomination of Lynch. Well, in my estimation, this is one of the high crimes and misdemeanors of the Republican Party, this, this whole 
new new session since since we got the new uh, the new Senate in and they you know GOP basically took control. Um, now or did they? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you make an excellent point. Excellent point because apparently um, we're still Democrats. Where this, the Democrats do still control the Senate, and the Democrats do still control the House, because everything that the Democrats want, they're getting. Now, the Republicans sort of held them up for a little while, and I believe that's because they're trying to um, <clears throat> to keep our um, to keep our attention away from you know what they're doing. You know, once all the political hoopla dies down and the media craze dies down then we're stuck with what they come up with and like now you know after all that's gone they can get away with things um that they couldn't back when it was in the limelight you know so now they think that they can just do this stuff and nobody's going to notice but i think this one's going to backfire on them and i think they're in big trouble now um but anyway, this is this is my biggie for the week. I couldn't wait to get on here and get this off my chest because this is ludicrous. I, I cannot believe that our Senate is bending over for these people. I, I, I the only thing you can deduce from this is that they are just in the pocket of the Democrats. Somehow or another, the Democrats are controlling them. What they have against mm-hmm. them, what, I don't know if it's blackmail, I don't know if it's money, uh, promises, uh, maybe, I just don't know. I don't know what's behind it. Why else in the world would they just start giving them everything they want, no matter what? And you got Rubio going around talking about amnesty, and um, oh. it, I mean... That's... Go ahead, we sorry. might as well not... We might as well not have a Republican Party. I mean, it's just all one one party. Yeah, it's it, it is. It's, abs- it's it's absolutely ridiculous. So you know, and then I know that angers a lot of people when we kind of lambast uh, the Republicans right now for you know what they're doing. But uh, you know, they're supposed to be the opposition party at the very least. You know, I mean, gosh, if you're not going to have any new ideas or anything you put out there, at least slow this stuff and stop what these these folks are trying to do instead of being, you know, a rubber stamp for them. I mean, heck, why vote these guys and gals in if they're just going to be doing the same thing as the Democrats? Exactly. Exactly. And and it doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to matter that, you know, they they just watched two elections go by where all these um, uh, patriots have been elected, all these guys that came out of Tea Party uh, endorsements, all these guys got elected, and they're stirring up all kinds of trouble in the houses. And um, uh, it doesn't seem to matter to them that, uh, you know, they, they still have so much power and so much money they know they can continue to get elected even though they're doing stupid things like this. And it's because our party is Because people think that they're better than the Democrats, just because they have an R yeah. next to their name. Right. But it's not necessarily so, is it, Robert? No, no, it's not. And that was a staunch, I mean, staunch, uh, 
you know, Repub- uh, Republican for most, I mean, since I was 10 years old, I mean, for 30 plus years, staunch, can, yeah. you know, you know, maybe not plus, so I was 10 and then I, I guess stopped in early 40s. But, I mean, staunch, staunch Republican, and then after 2012, and now just seeing what they're doing now. I mean, I know this angers people. I just see even uh, a message tonight uh, to a friend of mine who, uh, you know, you know, is, is friends with uh, David Cholesterol, you know, and we get we get some heat from those folks. Uh, but we, um, you know, we, we just call it as we see it. Let's go ahead and get Kelly in. We see a, a couple other folks on the line. Uh, and if you uh, like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring Kelly in. And while uh, Kelly's uh, doing his thing, I'm going to go ahead and do some call screening. But first, let's go ahead and get Kelly in. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing good. Got some local issues I can talk about, but that's for later. I wanted to ask Cindy about clarification there. With um, You're saying that who was number one, two, and three so far for president and Republicans? Uh, who Who's one, two, and three? Yeah, well, like according it, it to depends, some poll. It depends on who you ask. There's one well, poll that says, right, well, there's one poll that says uh, Scott is in the lead. Um, Rubio in third, and Jebby's somewhere down the line. And then there's another one that's put out by Rove and his people that says that Jeb Bush is ahead and Scott Walker is second. And that's just a lie. That is the biggest lie. You you go online, you go on Facebook, you go anywhere you want to go, you ask people on the street that are Republicans, who do you want? you want Jeb Bush for president? Nobody wants Jeb Bush for president. The only people that want Jeb Bush for president are the elite Rove-type people. Well, that, and, and, uh, are and, remember, and remember, polls don't mean anything this far out. And, too, I mean, it was folks like Carl Rove who were touting that uh, Romney was the only person who could beat Obama, and that's why we needed to make him the uh, mm-hmm. the nominee for the Republicans when Romney was – we found out, and we knew here on the show uh, way before the other – you know, the election, that he was the worst candidate to go against Obama. Go ahead, guys. Maybe me or Cindy. Well, I, I wanted to get that clarified from Cindy because I'm not surprised. There's a thing psychologically, it's called the bandwagon effect. Mm-hmm. And if you have your press machine, oh, yeah, Bush number one. Everyone's like, oh, it's Bush now? It's a bandwagon effect. You know, you don't want to have a waste of mm-hmm. smoke. Thank God yep. we a primary. Anyway, um, but, yeah, the, the um, it's really interesting, this whole conundrum of, you know, we think – we think we're electing somebody, and then the electronic machines decide for us. And that has been proven. You can just type in electronic election fraud on YouTube. Bev Harris, um, <clears throat> what she did, she did a documentary. Um, you know, Stalin said it's not, a, it's not how the people vote that counts. It's how you count the votes. Yeah. And, yeah, and so the, here's the bottom line of electronic machines. I mean, I'm I want to hang the chance back. Go ahead. Yeah, so basically, uh, one sentence hidden in thousands of lines of code that technically would be very hard to find, but one sentence can turn your paper boat into an electron. That electron, yeah, it's a bunch of electrons, but that, once you turn paper into electrons, 
it's so subject to manipulation, it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's the old-fashioned way, which Edward True, back in the 2012 primary, where Ron Paul at his caucus in Appaloosa, Iowa, I can't remember the city or county, but he went to the caucus, and there was only two votes for Romney. Mm-hmm. Well, Ed True got, ended up getting up getting on C, uh, CNN uh, exposing this, and they recount they 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 had to recount. Well, initially, oh, uh, it, it was Romney. Romney won, yay! In New Hampshire, oh, I guess they like him in Iowa. I guess we'll like him here. Bandwagon effect. But then they counted after New Hampshire, and the first time they've ever reversed the decision. Edward True and his caucus. I knew this before it became big, because he was with one of the groups. Um, watch the vote 2012, now Guardians for Liberty. But basically, in his caucus, he wrote down two for Romney, he wrote votes for everybody. And it was 22 reported at the state level. So he looks it up that night. He calls the caucus chair and it said, How many votes do you have for Romney? He said, Two. Then why is the state saying 22? What? Let's call the, the county chair. He calls the county chair. Hey, I got two. What do you get for uh, results in my caucus? He said, two. And why is the state saying 22? That's 20 different. It was a 12-vote difference for between uh, Romney and um, Santorum. And so then he got on CNN and made such a stink, huge stink, that, okay, we'll recount the vote. Oh, and it wasn't just a difference. I think it would have been eight. Uh, whatever it was, it was a quite a bit more difference when they recounted in Santorum 1. But, no, yeah. we had to have Romney, you know? And then following the primaries, obviously as a Ron Paul fan, I still am, actually, but following the primaries and the games to get delegates to state, state to national, et cetera, et cetera, the games played by the good old boys was point-blank frightening sold under the justification that, well, only Romney uh, can beat Obama, and he didn't. You know, if he wouldn't have, have cheated, well, he may not have been the nominee, but if, if and I, I can't say Romney cheated, per se, but just the endless videos you watch and the people that were so absolute, got to have him, um, cheat if we have to kind of stuff, people saw that, and then people got disenfranchised with the Republican Party, and that may have been why Romney lost. It's because it, it's like a small town. Word gets around pretty quick. The Internet has, has, has creates a feel, if you will, around the world that it's a small town because you can go on Facebook, somebody's in the know, somebody, 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 pretty soon you'll get the truth instead of what the media tells you. And so this this is just frightening how this happened. And I watched the whole thing, and, I, and it was very frustrating. I mean, Ron Paul... Um, he had his. He needed a five-state plurality. He had seven or eight, or I think it was seven, six or seven. Right? He had six or seven state plurality. He had the, the greatest number of delegates from his from those states. That gave him enough to speak, to possibly open up a broker convention. So that that was on a Monday. They switched the rules. Oh no, you got to have a. Sorry. Oh, we just got to have right, a delay because of the hurricane. Yeah, all that stuff. You think people weren't listening, weren't watching, didn't care? Oh, they did. They were furious. And disenfranchise, disenfranchisement occurred all over the place. Yep. Well, there's a strategy 
to really catch it this time. Well, that's good. Let's well, go ahead and bring me... uh, someone else into our roundtable discussion. If you out there in the audience would like to hey. join us, give us a call at 347-945-7428. We're getting ready to uh, bring in Ed, who's on the line. And I just want to uh, mention someone in the chats uh, mentioned out uh, mentioned in chat. Does it just found out that Rubio has been working on campaign funding since 2013? Uh, one of big financial supporters is Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. And then they had uh, another good idea, of course, is vetting all candidates is to find out who the PACs and donors are because of the possible influence uh, when they are president. And it says Donald Trump on his page is uh, growing. Uh, people are looking to see him run for president. And I've actually heard a, a number of people say Trump. I, I don't know if I'd vote for Trump um, or even uh, supporting the primary. Uh, I don't know. At this time, I went because there is one person well, in there not. who I would support over the others, unless, of course, uh, Newt Gingrich got in. It says Florida is not going for Rubio, at least not the Republican Party. Uh, but that being said, we'll go ahead and get the, your folks' comments. Hey, wait a minute. Um, if anyone wait, else likes to in, give us a call at 347-945-7428. What's that, Cindy? I, I wanted to mention one more thing that was in the chat. Harriet was saying uh, 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 Scott hasn't uh, actually declared yet, but that's simply a matter of semantics because uh, he's not going to declare until sometime in June when they're done with their uh, fiscal budget. He's not going to abandon uh, his, his uh, state and, and their budget problems and. Uh, and uh, go off uh, campaigning and stuff. So he's he's staying on his job. He's doing the responsible thing, taking care of his own state. And when that's done, and he's done the work that he needs to do, he'll probably uh, declare sometime in in June. Oh, and then the well, then that's one of the folks that I mentioned earlier in the article. I didn't say he uh, he didn't officially uh, jump in. However, that's one of the. Uh, candidates that the uh, Cook brothers are looking at. Uh, so let's go ahead without any further ado, uh, bring in Ed. Ed, thank you for, very much for coming to the show. Uh, how are you? All right. And uh, I'm from Florida. And Rubio, you're talking uh, meeting up with Facebook there. You're talking to the NSA. You're talking Common Core. And that's, mm-hmm. where, uh, and that's where the Republican Party's been for a long time now. Um, unfortunately, for the last hundred years, the Democrats have been leading the Republicans by the nose, and uh, it's great to realize that you guys realize that. You know, most Republicans say, oh, no, 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 wait, government hasn't got smaller. We haven't got the $18 trillion in debt, and with all these bureaucracies, without them going along with the program, and they're following right along with Obamacare now. They haven't put anything out to stop it, and they're not going to wake up Republicans. It was not a victory. It is reality, and Republicans are removing their mask, and they are Democrats. How do you like them now? Well, we've been on to them for quite a while now, <laughs> in, on this show anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, well, yeah we've got a lot of, we got a lot of backlash. That's why during the 2012 when we – go ahead, Ed. I, the Republicans are the Democrats. I mean, they give them legitimacy. And all they're there for is to uh, advance the uh, Marxist progressive – moment. They're not there to 
bring us back to the constitutional rights that we were founded upon. Yeah. I think the only argument between the Democrats and the Republicans is who's going to control that one world government when it all gets take, uh, put into place. Well said. And, and, yeah, you know, and, Ronnie, every now and you mentioned earlier that a lot of Republicans, are, you know, who don't see it. And then, you know, we've had uh, many of folk on, you know, the show and, and not just and, and what surprises me is not only Republicans, but those who are also conservatives. Like I'm a conservative first. Well, I'm not even a Republican anymore, uh, but I was always a conservative first, Republican second. And, you know, I think they've, you know, shown, and I even think the Rush Limbaugh's of the world shown the Republican first, you know, conservative second, which, you know, is what Ed pointed out, tells a lot about them, in my opinion, and, and where they're at. Uh, but, you know, that's why in 2012 we were interviewing, you know, people who were conservatives. Now, they weren't of the Republican Party. They're mainly from the Constitution Party. But they're looking to bring us back to, you know, our founding fathers and having a constitutional republic uh, as we had. And that party is who we, you know, we had a lot on to show that the folks that you indeed had other options other than the Republican Party, if you wanted to vote your conscience and actually vote for a true conservative instead of these uh, pseudo-conservatives, and, and, you know, I would even say at this point pseudo-Republicans uh, and the GOP. Well, you're well said there, but you got to remember they have the principle of divide and conquer. They make you think that there is really a difference between the Democrats and Republicans, and that's what we're up against. And most people think that if you vote anything but Democrat or Republican, you are wasting your vote. You know, and, and I've worked mm-hmm. with the Constitutional Party, the Libertarian Party, and third parties all through my life, and, I, 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 and I've seen it since the, the, the you know the 70s and the 80s. There isn't any difference between Democrats or Republicans. They're both advancing the Marxist agenda. The Marxist agenda is so strong in this country, it's unbelievable. And the parasite is being exposed only by programs like yours and other people that are part of the Constitutional Party or the Libertarian Party and are exposing out, you know, hey, look, these guys ain't any different. There's no difference between Bush or Clinton or... um, Obama, if you want to put them in there, or whatever. They're all the same. They're they're just advancing more bigger and bigger government, more centralized power in Washington, D.C. And Washington, D.C. has grown so big and have every one of their little alphabetical soup has a SWAT team. They don't really need SWAT teams. Why do they have them? Because they want, to, they, they want to implement a program if they need to be for world domination. That's it. In a nutshell, but you know, I woke up. I woke up with the uh, 2008 election. I was 40 years a Republican. One of those don't even bother to go out and, and vet anybody. Just pull the Republican. Uh, you know, just right down the line, Republican, and um, and you'll get the right guy, or at least you'll get the best guy available. And uh, that's what's pretty much got our party into trouble. Back in the old days, before <clears throat> before there was uh, bought media, uh, people did their homework. Uh, they read they read speeches, they listened to speeches, they read books, they read papers written by the politicians. They they um, they they did their language. They were responsible citizens. 
And uh, and remember, a long time ago, you, you couldn't even vote unless you uh, had property or, you know, there was, you know, you had an education and stuff like that. And I'm not sure that was all a good deal, uh, you know, the best way to do it, although I think we would be without a lot of problems right now if it was only the um, literate people who were uh, voting. I think we would be uh, in a much better shape uh, right now if that were the case. All the people should be literate. Yes, they should be literate, um, and they should be able to speak English uh, so that they can hear the candidates and and vet them properly. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Pardon me. But um, when somewhere along the line, people just fell asleep and decided, well, everything's going all right, the nation's prospering, we're out of the war. Um, you know, In the 50s, everybody was just kind of cruising along, 60s. And, the, and then the sexual revolution came and the war thing came and people started getting a little more involved in politics. I remember my dad was always in front of the television. If you were eating dinner during the news, you did not speak while we were eating dinner, because Dad had to hear every word that was coming out of Walter Cronkite's mouth. And um, (laughs) you know what? You know, I've found out some things about Walter Cronkite since that we know he wasn't all that, you know, honest. That's the way it was. Huh? And that's the way it was. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he was like, uh, even with even with his uh, biases, he was nothing compared to what the media is today. And uh, so, you know, we we just all kept sleeping, and especially the Christian community. We're all busy, you know, doing whatever. And um, life became complicated. Uh, moms started going back to work, and nobody really understood why. And nobody understood why their kids all of a sudden got uh, so rebellious and... Um, all this was happening, and nobody noticed that uh, prayer was taken out of school, Bibles taken out of school, morals were taken out of school, bye-bye Ten Commandments, and all of the rest of that. And now people wonder why we have a youth that is violent and drugged up all the time or high on alcohol or, you know, sex crazed. Um, we have just unbelievable problems in our in our young people today. It's almost impossible for your whole family to get through puberty without some kind of trouble. Um, and uh, and yet, we still sleep. And uh, Christians still think, well, politics is dirty business. We don't need, need to be involved. Um, so anyway, that's the... the that's you know, Gandhi didn't think that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, uh, in the South, to be a Democrat... You could be a Christian and a Democrat at the same time. Um, And, you know, I remember a lot of Democrats being so proud of Kennedy and, and, um, you know, relatives of mine that were Democrats that were very proud to be Democrats because of Kennedy. Um, But I tell you what, Kennedy was the last of the Democrats who could be considered um, non-New World Order. And... uh, well, and, that, and that may be part and parcel why uh, he was assassinated. 
Uh, I do see it's at the bottom of the hour. Just to let the folks know, we do have our guests coming in at the top of the hour tonight. So if you're in there to uh, listen or and or to speak with our guest Rod tonight, uh, he will be in at about the top of the hour. Uh, but if you'd like to chime in uh, before then, or also ask him any questions uh, along with us and talk to our guest, and also to join our round table discussion, give us a call at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. And we will get you into the show, and uh, you could join our roundtable discussion here, of course, as we have here on Bard's Logic. Once you call into the show, and once you are, uh, and if you're respectful to everyone, which I believe that uh, people will be, and we don't talk over each other, then of course we keep you on the show for as long as you would like to stay. Uh, so, they, that is an A. Give us a call at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight, and let's go ahead and hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And if you'd like to be on Bard's Logic Political Talks uh, email list, just go to bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Go to the contact page, and you will see there where you can put uh, a message to me where you can be on the email list, and you will get the weekly updates on the content of the show, including the show's link uh, for you to come to the live show and or to listen to the podcast. And, of course, you can share that email uh, with folks uh, with the link, and they can come and listen to you being on Bard's Logic Political Talk or also to listen to the content we have herein. So let's go ahead, and uh, while we wait for our guests to come on at the top of the hour, which is going to be in about another uh, – Let's see, 20 minutes, uh, 22 minutes before uh, he comes on. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly, and then let's bring it back uh, to you, Ed, and we'll uh, go around our table from there. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, yeah, um, on the 6th, we're going to talk about uh, – well, somebody's going to talk about Agenda 21. But I wanted to throw out some local things that are happening. Um, oh, and by the way, before I go into that, the um, the uh, solution to some of this establishment push a candidate upon us program, whatever they want to call it. Um, what we can do to counter the electronic election machines is to in the vote flipping. Um, again, I would encourage everybody to go on the internet and just just. Google it on YouTube, you know, vote flipping, electronic election fraud. You, you, more you ever want to know. Anyway, what we can do is we can submit petitions to grand juries in our counties asking them the day after the election, the day after the election, um, walk into the election clerk's office, grab ballots, start counting. You don't have to count an entire precinct. There's a statistical way to count like 25, 30%, and then you get a good like an 80 or 90% confidence level of what really happened. 
And that's the way I'll eventually have the website set up and everything for the next election. But that is a way to counter that because the courts have ruled, oh, you can't look at the software. It's uh, intellectual property under copyright and patent. So you can't do that. Even if you do get, you know, some states will allow a quick recount. But in in some some situations, it would take way too long in the court system. By the time you actually get the subpoenas and everything to count the ballot, the guy is out of office because there was another election. The court system failed. So this is about the only way to expose this. Ex polls, eh, it's not. Anyway, but uh, that's enough of that. But yeah, locally. We uh, yesterday we got the supervisors chamber packed with people, and they went out into the hallway. In this county, with a small population, we only have you know. Well, supervisor told me the other night that a lot of meetings go by and nobody shows up, but we had it packed, and people were very upset about a code compliance ordinance. The code compliance ordinance, and the chair of the community development department, he communicated that, uh, yeah, theoretically it is possible $1,000 a day for being non-compliant. What's non-compliant? Well, let's see, do you have a deck without a permit? Do you have a garage without a permit? Did you do an addition without a permit? Is your fence over six feet tall? The list is quite extensive, actually. So if you're out of compliance and your neighbor turns you in, um, but it takes quite a well, long it's only process. Yes. Yeah. But, but locally, they're they're giving us assurances. Oh no, no, we won't do that. I, I met with the community development director the day before the hearing. No, no, no. We we're, I know we got this power. We're not going to do that. And I said, you know what? I'm not worried about you. I love what the state dictates that we must do this. So um, we have this scenario here, and it's the ironic thing is that some on the on the right, like Tea Party types, um, some are in support of this ordinance because. They want to push the criminal marijuana growers out. I can understand that. And they also want to um, uh, deal with a local kids' camp that has too many people. But those are items A and B. But item C, this could come back on you. And I've seen what other counties have done. is rather frightening. So um, most people were completely against the ordinance. And uh, there's two votes. They vote once and then they vote a second time and then it becomes law. But what's fascinating to watch all this and all the inner workings of it is that I can see how you know, I'm not going to say it's Agenda 21 necessarily, but I can see how Agenda 21 can get through understanding all the deep and everything and contacting supervisors and where people are at. And It's basically prejudices of a, a local issue and then you oh you got item A oh wow item B oh wow yeah let's deal with that and then somebody stuck in item C and so it's going to be real interesting because I I um, in in seeing a seminar about Agenda 21 I was absolutely amazed that um, this is actually being accomplished how what are the dynamics what are the specifics what are in the trenches how is this happening and I'm seeing it and you're and in wow, California well but no 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 well, I got to address that. Yeah, California obviously has left, supposedly. However, in the rural counties, you know, we're talking the foothills on the east side. They're quite conservative. They're quite Republican leaning. Up north here, you go Redding, uh, about two thirds of the state, or maybe three quarters. Uh, all the way the, to the north, man, we are heavily conservative. In this county alone, I, I think I've seen more. Um, 
Obama stickers than than Romney. Why? Because we don't like a lot of people didn't like Romney enough to get a bumper sticker. I mean, it's so conservative. I go to the this is kind of a joke, but every year at the county fair, I, I make a point to go by the Democrat booth, and they oh we have our three token Democrats. That's how conservative it is. But I can see how Agenda 21 is getting put in is when there's um, a, a good issue that the people will vote for won't sneak in item C. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, wow, it, it's frightening. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just kind of in a nutshell what's going on locally. I spent an awful lot of time. We did a video that had like 5,700 uh, views before we went to the supervisor's meeting. That's why I got packed. Um, well, I think if if people generally knew how much of agenda of Agenda 21 is being implemented and has been implemented already, they would be scared to death. Let's go ahead. Well, yeah, in, uh, let's go yeah. ahead and bring. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and bring uh, Ed back in uh, to the conversation. Uh, go ahead, Ed, if you'd like to uh, make any comments sure, on anything uh, you just heard or uh, something else. Go ahead. I talked to um, some of the other blog texts talk stations and uh talk to some people from northern california and they are definitely there's actually a movement for northern california to try to succeed from southern california and you know it wasn't since uh 1863 when west virginia succeeded from virginia that you know that kind of thing happened but you know that it's a good vision i mean it's like hey we're tired of all this stuff that your your state's putting on us, and we want to form our own state. I don't know if they have a chance to have it happen, but that would be a, a good concept. And as far as Agenda 21, yeah, most people in this country don't even understand what it's about. But Agenda 21 is really, like, um, deeply rooted in the Marxist agenda, and the Marxist agenda happened way before, uh, you know, you can go back to uh, Marx himself and the people that sponsored him, and, you know, in 1848 to write the Communist Manifesto. And uh, they're just kind of bringing it home to roost here in the United States. And, and uh, that's their final nail against the Bill of Rights and the right to bear arms. So... I mean, hopefully most people think, wake up to it. But most people don't understand what Agenda 21 is. Um, but making a movement like the people in North um, California to succeed from the United States, that can wake people's minds up sometimes. Oh, you've heard of the state of Jefferson. Well, go ahead, Joe. I knew you were going to mention that. Go ahead. Yeah, they call it the state of Jefferson. Uh, um, well, I didn't hear it called the state of Jefferson. I just heard about the succession movement. But, you know, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's actually, you know. Yeah, it's actually called, well, we call it the state of Jefferson. And there's six counties now that issued a declaration. The declaration says, you don't care about us. We want to form our own state. Six counties and just two of us alone with Modoc and Siska we're bigger than Massachusetts. And right. so we're not being heard and and uh Tehama did it, uh Glenn, I'm trying to think of all the counties. But we're substantial. We would have a very large economy unto ourselves and we would get more control of our natural resources and I, I believe we would thrive. Oh yeah, definitely. And West Virginia would um thrive too. Don't you know, I mean it's like I uh, 
it did pretty well on its own. And you need to study how West Virginia succeeded. Uh, you know, there was a bigger, you know, the, the war going on, but still they used principles to succeed. And that was the only time in the history of America that uh, part of a state succeeded from another part of the state. Actually, Maine came out of uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, there were other there were other divides, but those were kind of done not so much on the people actually saying I want to divide and separate, but they were separated by the politicians. Yeah, the western counties of West Virginia, well, the western counties of Virginia during the Civil War said, hey. We don't want anything to do with this war. Can we be part of the Union? And the Union granted the western counties, and thus you have uh, West Virginia. Right. And you know what? That might be something you need to apply towards. You know, they apply towards saying, hey, you know what? We don't want any part of what's going on in Southern California. you got all Republicans up there. Well, so-called, you know, they're supposed to be different, but whatever. Uh, but you can go to them and say, look, we should have the right to form our own state. Please grant us this. And, you know, they have a possibility that you can get a grant. Well, there, there's it's a uh, constitutional procedure where the state says, yes, okay, we will split our state. So once the state legislature approves, which, by the way, it ha- almost happened in the 90s. The Assembly passed it. The Senate didn't. But it was Stan Statham's efforts. But then... So if the state legislature approves it, it goes to the federal government. And then I believe it's just the Congress that approves it, and it's done. Well, let's hope it gets done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hope. Well, you know, I, like was I was time, saying wasn't before. There a time, not that, oh, real quick, Cindy. Wasn't there a time mm-hmm. uh, not that long ago that, I mean, I mean, within our lifetime, that there was just a, it's at least talk about Texas uh, seceding from the United States? Oh, yeah, there's still talk about that. They never do stop talking about that. And same with New Hampshire. New Hampshire. 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 We're all going at the same time. We pause to give the other person a chance to chime in, and we all go at the same time. That's great. Uh, But go ahead, Cindy. uh, Since I'm the host slash moderator here, I guess, uh, I know you were uh, bringing something out, so go ahead. Well, um, I, I was just saying um, that, that that it's time for people to wake up. And, I mean, I finally woke up after 40 years of, you know, voting straight Republican ticket. I, and other people can wake up, too. But it's, it's a difficult thing um, to get people to wake up because then they have to face the, the, the troubles that they're really in. That nobody, everybody wants to kind of hide their head in the sand like the ostrich, you know, and and they don't want. They think if they don't look at it, um, it won't affect them. Or if they don't listen, it won't affect them. But they're all going to be affected by it. And um, the problem is they may wake up too late. That's that's the only thing I'm concerned about. But 2000, 2008 was an eye opener for me. I really could see how the Republican establishment was choosing its candidates. I had never really realized that before. I thought I actually had a voice in the primary. Um, But at that primary, I could tell it was all fixed. And then when Romney came along and the 2012 convention came along and all the crap that went on there, um, I finally realized that uh, our gooses could be cooked as long as we uh, can't get 
more people like us to, to wake up. And and as Kelly was talking about too, or Robert, I guess it was. That, no, it was Kelly. The electronic voting is uh, going to get us in trouble uh, because they're going to get whatever they want. Um, Certainly, they can just uh, program it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they can just and 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 there was. Uh, a report, and of course it's always suppressed, and they squelch the news, and everything gets bought to go under the table. And um, but basically, there was uh, information out there that during the uh, primaries, Romney's people had tampered with uh, electronic uh, voting machines, and that's why he won Florida. Um, so um, even if it isn't happening, people do not have the confidence that it is not happening. And so they're like, well, what good is my vote? And so many, for many reasons, people stayed home. It wasn't because they voted for the other guy. It wasn't because they voted for a third party. That's not what, because uh, Obama won by more votes than third party, third party candidates got all put together. So that's not what actually made Romney lose. What made Romney lose is that people stayed home and didn't vote at all. And that's what you get when you put up a loser like Romney who is bought and paid for by the establishment and there's no difference between him and the other candidate. You remember my letter that we handed to Newt Gingrich. Um, basically yeah. it was called it, the, the title of the, of the paper was uh, uh, Obama will get away with it, um, and and that's because Romney can't go up against anything Obama did in that first four years, because he did the same thing in Massachusetts. So there there was no right. difference between them. You could not, you, you couldn't establish any kind of a uh, of a contrast between the two men. There was nothing to choose. You were choosing the same guy, um, or at least that's what it looked like. Now, we know, you and I know, that Obama is either Muslim or Muslim sympathizer. He's at least anti-colonialist, and so he well, basically I, real, real quick, hates America. I, I want to play something. I, I, I want to play something to illustrate your point you are making earlier. Um, okay. And I played this during the 2001 uh not 2001, where am I going? The 2012 uh, election. And, and, and folks, you know, as Kelly likes to do sometimes, I'll be, admit this is uh, more Kelly's uh, bringing this out than, than me, but this is a little humorous. Uh, but this kind of illustrates uh, her point. This is an audio that we played uh, during the primary, I think, uh, during the um, election 2012. May have been to the general election vote, but here it is. Mr. President, just how different are you from Governor Romney? Uh, now, let me be clear. Uh, I agreed with Governor Romney on many things. For instance, abortion. He was pro-choice most of his adult life. So was I. But he changed his position uh, when he became presidential candidate. Romney. Uh, hold on. Now, let's take guns. <laughs> now, Governor Romney and I, uh, we were in complete agreement on gun control. Uh, now, that is, until he changed his mind. But... But I and on healthcare, well, uh, I was so inspired by Romney Care 
Well, that I nationalized it and called it Obamacare. Whoa, whoa. But now presidential candidate Romney is against the individual mandate and universal health care. I agreed with Governor Romney on many things. But this presidential candidate Romney, I don't even know the guy. Then again, uh, he doesn't seem to know himself. Oh, come on. Governor Romney? (coughs) Getting our teachers responsible for the content of this message. (laughs) Anyway, I had to play that, Cindy. Uh... Yeah, I do like that. Go ahead. Let's go ahead, Fishpoint. Let's go ahead uh, and uh, go ahead with your point. uh, Cecil, it looks like our guest should be coming in here uh, in the next uh, five minutes or so. So let's get uh, get it out there for you. And then uh, if we'll be seeing him shortly, if not, we'll be bringing uh, uh, Kelly in and then Ed. And then uh, by then we should have our our guest in uh, for our interview and discussion with him. Go ahead, Cindy. Well, I wanted to just take a minute and um, uh, go over some of Jeb Bush's very public, uh, you know, very uh, hmm, frank positions. He doesn't seem to care whether his party's platform is against what he says or not. Um, 74% of GOP voters opposed Medicaid expansion. Uh, they owe, they uh, are opposed to federal health care programs here in Florida by 23 to 64%. And yet, Jeb Bush says, well, we ought to try to have a compromise about Medicaid expansion uh, and hospital funding and, and uh, Obamacare programs, you know. And, and this is the same thing that we have coming out of the Senate now with McConnell in the head, at the head and Corker, and, and Corker uh, backing him up in everything, <clears throat> that uh, the Republican Party is not going to come out and repeal anything. Um, now, uh, Broward County recently had a meeting, and uh, they picked – now, it, this is just for Florida, right? And so they're, they're just basically using Florida candidates. Um, and ne- their number one was Walker, number two, Cruz, number three, Rubio, and four, Jeb Bush. And yet somehow he ends up, okay, this is his state, right? And the state of Florida doesn't like Rubio or Jeb. They like Walker and Cruz. And yet Jeb Bush supposedly is ahead in this poll. Well, what what poll? Must be a Carl Carl Rove poll. (laughs) Right. Well, what what part of the country is picking Jeb, who is a Florida, ex-Florida governor? Okay, why are they picking Jeb? And yet the Floridians aren't even picking Jeb. Okay, Jeb is, is, um, uh, he's in the climate change. In fact, uh, the liberal Tampa Bay Times uh, has thanked him for his, uh, they've praised him for his leadership on climate change. Um, At least Rubio doubts the man that global warming or climate change is is man-made. You know, it's always changing. That's what he says, and that's what it is. That's what what, um, uh, Gingrich says, too. It's changing, but we could, you know, he's willing to look at the, look at the science. Is there some science that, that 
that proves that it's man-made? Okay, first of all, when you look at the statistics, um, Death Valley uh, has the highest recorded temperature in America ever, 134 degrees registered there. Guess when that was? 1913. Okay, so global warming has not given us even a temperature as hot as in 1913. So did they have global warming in 1913? Um, Did we have global cooling then, and now we're having global warming again? But it was all man-made. That's why it's it's climate change. So you can keep changing from hot to warm. Uh, But, Cindy, I do have to uh, uh, put a a little uh, block up for you because our guest is on the line. So let's go ahead and welcome our guest, Rod, tonight. Thank you very much, Rod, for coming to the show. How are you this evening? Great. Thanks for having me on. Hi, Rod. Oh, thanks for coming. It's uh, it's a joy to have uh, another conservative uh, on the line and, of course, uh, another conservative uh, talk show host. Now, just uh, to kind of show you what we've got here uh, going on tonight, uh, Rod, is we do have uh, some folks here already on on the line. Uh, What we'll do is we'll ask some questions and then have some uh, Roundtable discussion, okay. Uh, Laura didn't tell me how long you'd be able to stay with us tonight, uh, but we do have at least uh, an hour of what we call live time here, and then uh, we have our extended period, which uh, although is uh, not live, it is uh, something that becomes part of uh, the archive of the show, uh, which, of course, would be our podcast. And so we have here from Florida, uh, we have our panelist, Cindy Todd, and then we have our other panelists uh, from California, and that is Kelly Mordecai, and we also have uh, Ed on the line from Florida as well. And so we'll be bringing things around in front of other folks who uh, may want to ask our guests some questions. If we have some time, give us a call at 347-945-7428, or if you like, and hopefully I'll be able to see it, just put the question in chat, and we'll try to get it to our guest as well. So, Rod, I guess I'll go first, I guess, being that I'm the host of uh, the show here. And uh, first, uh, let's tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, well, um, I am the host of the Rod Eccles Show. I know it's original. Um, it took me a very long time to come up with that title. Uh, it, uh, you can actually get some archive episodes all the way back to 2009 right here on Blog Talk Radio. And um, that's when I started the program. I started it basically because of... The fact I, I had been blogging, I'd owned a blog since about 98, 99, and in two, March of 2009, I was writing a post, and I was, uh, obviously it was due to the Obama administration and then just coming into office, and I was highly frustrated. Oh, but, uh, I'm not going to mince words. I was pissed. I don't remember what I was mad about, <laughs> but I was very mad, and I was literally banging on my keys in my desk, and I had to stop because I really was afraid I was going to break my keyboard. That's how hard I was pounding. <laughs> yeah. And write a post, and, and there I did. When I stopped, I remembered there was a a, a guy that I had followed it had nothing to do with politics, but it was another blog blogger that I was following, and I remembered he started doing audio blogging. Uh, back back in 2009, and not a lot of people were doing that, and I thought that was interesting and really cool, and I thought, you know what, I could do it faster, it really express my frustration and save my keyboard at the same time if I could do the same thing. 
So I went searching for a way to blog, you know, audio blog, and I happened up. I did a Google search like everybody does, and the first thing that popped up was Blog Talk Radio. So I went over there, investigated, and and thought this is cool. And so on March the twelfth of two thousand nine was my first blog, if you will. Um, and I think the first one was a half hour long, and then the second show on the thirteenth was an hour long, and it just took off from there. And so here I am. I, I I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been I, I've I've worked for other people, and I've owned my own businesses at the same time since the '80s. So it's uh, um, I'm kind of right now living the American dream as I see it. I'm just having a ball. Yeah, it sounds so awesome. You... I've, uh, I'm impressed with the resume you have here uh, on on the different shows and, and such you've been on. Uh, and Cindy, I know you've got a a question. I'm going to go ahead and here's how we're going to do it. I just have uh, one more question, then I'm going to ask you at least before I have the others come in, and then Cindy, go ahead, and then we'll bring it to you, uh, Kelly, and then Ed, if you've got a question or comment you want to ask for our guest. But first, I've got to ask before you chime in, Cindy. It says uh, the coolest. Most politically incorrect conservative black man on the planet. What makes you the coolest and most politically incorrect, Rod? <laughs> well, uh, the coolest could be subjective, and it is subjective. I, you know, I, I've always been told that you know, I've, one of the things that I remember um, is people used to always comment on during hot weather days, unless it was really muggy out, they looked at me and said, "How come you don't sweat?" And I said, "Just." I always responded because I always keep cool. Um, so that's how, that's how that came about. Um, as go. far as politically incorrect, look, look, uh, you read the last part of it. Uh, black, I'm a black guy. You know, um, I'm also part Native American. And by the way, I can prove that I am Cherokee and Osage. So that's a dig at Elizabeth Warren. I can actually prove that. So I'm, I'm mixed race. But uh, yeah, so but uh, I'm also part black, so I say black man because people just don't fully get or understand when you have a black conservative. And basic, really, seriously, I'm not rare. Uh, there are a lot of black conservatives out there, and and more and more are growing. I have a good uh, friend who is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's not rare, but it always puts when I when I added that when I came up with the um, my moniker, my tagline, and when people hear yeah. it. Liberals, they just jump, man. They they can't believe it or understand it. Um, and part of the reason is because, according to them, I do not sound black. Now, I'm not exactly sure what a black guy is supposed to sound like or what a Native American is supposed to sound like, but I guess I don't sound like them. So it's very important that people understand that you know when I'm when they don't see me because I don't do video uh, video blogging. So they think you know if they don't, if, I guess if they don't see or know that I'm black. They think I'm I'm a white guy, and I'm an old, rich white guy, just espousing all this, you know, evil, cruel, conservative stuff. And they find out I'm a black guy, and they they come they become unhinged. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a face for uh, video either. That's why I'm on radio, uh, Rod. I don't have a I have a face for radio. That's why I'm on now. <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead, Cindy. Uh, oh, I know you've been wanting to get that out, so go right ahead. <laughs> well, first of all, I think you're a man who is very serious about getting his message out with all the different radio places you go to, um, and uh, I like that. 
we follow a lot of conservative black guys here. Uh, we're not surprised that, that you're out there. Um, I, I hope you're passionate. Uh, I think because you were banging on your keyboards, I can I can assume that you are a passionate man and that you like to get passionate on your radio show, too. That's a good thing. Um, that's what I'm looking for in, in anybody who is in this fight. They better be passionate because nobody is listening to the quiet, meek little face, uh, the, the quiet, meek little voice. Um, and so, you know, who my favorite is, is um, Barbara from Harlan. Do you know her? Uh, no, I do not. Barbara from Harlem is the most awesome speaker you have ever heard. You ought to look her up and listen to some of her speeches. She's awesome. She came and spoke to our Republican Party, uh, our Republican uh, club here in Volusia, West Volusia County. And I was just wowed by her. So was everybody else. And uh, it's because she's so passionate. And uh, And we have a lot in common with her. Uh, anyway, um, what are you mad about this week? I tell you what, I am so mad about this business of the GOP allowing this Lynch co- confirmation to come forward, uh, this nomination uh, to replace Holder, and the, the GOP is just waffling again, just bending over backwards for him. What, what do you think about that? You know, I'm really not upset about it simply because I fully ex- expected it. Uh, I expected it to, to happen before it before now. So I'm really happy that they've delayed it as, as long as possible, uh, as long as that they have. But I, I got to tell you, what I, what really gets my goat is something that just came across my desk, my screen yesterday, and, and that's what, what was happening in Wisconsin uh, with the John Doe laws over there and how, uh, and today I understand Fox finally picked, because this wasn't being being picked up by mainstream media at all on on either side of the aisle. And uh, a few publications, liberal-leaning publications like uh, like uh, uh, USA Today, picked up on the story. And what was happening in, in Wisconsin to Scott Walker and his supporters is absolutely criminal. Now, for people who don't know, it, the, the John Doe laws basically state that uh, they can do certain types of investigations and uh, without the people that they're investigating actually knowing about it. Mm-hmm. Now, what makes it different is is that the people that were supporting Scott Walker, um, they, they actually had no knocks busting in their doors in the middle of the night and having their, their, their computers and their phones and their electronic equipment confiscated because evidently the prosecutor in the Milwaukee area was looking for uh, possible. They had no knowledge of any wrongdoing, but they were looking for possible uh, campaign violations or contribution violations to Scott Walker. Because as we know, Scott Walker yeah. has, has pounced on the, on the, on the liberals three, in three different elections. He just really right. decimated them. And it, it come to find out that the prosecutor, his wife, was a longtime teacher in that area and she was big in the uh, in the teachers union of the area and of course walker was basically breaking the, the teacher's stranglehold on the public uh-huh. and giving yep. taxpayers kinds of money but they were really targeting scott walker supporters and scaring people half to death in fact uh you, you know walker even talked about how some people started to back off from supporting him 
this is why. And these people were told by the cops, the SWAT teams that were breaking in and telling them, well, you can't tell anybody that we were here or why we were here. You can't even talk to your lawyer about this. Now, when I heard that, I'm like, red flags start flying everywhere. And I started getting comparisons in my head to, to communist uh, USSR and Nazi Russia, or excuse me, Nazi Germany, you know, and, and the SS breaking down doors. What, what do you mean I can't talk to my lawyer? How am I going to defend myself if I can't tell my lawyer this is ha- this is wrong? Mm-hmm. And this did not get reported. And now, after the fact, years after the fact, now it is starting to get some traction. And I, really, frankly, uh, last not tonight, but last night, uh, I really went off on my show on it. And, and it, it it was because I was you, you talk about what do I get passionate about? I get passionate <laughs> about about things that go against the Constitution. I am a constitutional conservative, and I describe myself as being a man having a love affair with his country. I love this country with all my heart. The only thing I love more than this country are my family and my God, period. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, you, did you talk about that Cindy Archer case? I didn't get to that. Okay, well, <laughs> there, you know, there's several of them, but, you know, she's just one that, uh, has been more uh, out there in the the open, but yeah, those, yeah, that can get you really, really mad that when they just completely ignore our constitutional rights and the protections that we have uh, against that kind of unlawful search and seizure, unlawful uh, interrogation, and yet they just pass right over it. Uh, so I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, Something gets done about that too in more than one place. Absolutely, somebody better go to jail over that. Yeah, that's well. Isn't that isn't that basically what they did in Massachusetts too when they went after those uh, the bombers? Didn't they just go uh, well, busting? Yeah, well, going after the yes, when they went after the uh, the, the the Boston Marathon bombers, basically what they what they did was. Some people are calling it a trial run for martial law. They pretty much shut down the city of Boston, and they were ordering people to stay at home just so they could chase two people. Now, I don't know about you, but, yeah, that was a horrific crime that those two committed. But let's face it. They didn't shut down New York City to go hunt for other people after 9-11. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, that was probably a more horrific crime. And whenever you have have criminals running around that, that do terrible things. You know, they could kill a couple of people. Chicago doesn't shut down uh, when they have multiple murders. I, I, I did not understand that. I did not, and I did not understand how people accepted it so willingly. That kind of scares me. And this year's running of the Boston Marathon, one of the things that they were doing is they were, they were preventing people from bringing backpacks to – Certain areas of the of the marath- of the marathon trail, and I thought, that, how an American is that? But the funny thing is, well, it's not so funny. But the aggravating thing is, is that there were radio local radio hosts who were advocating and supporting the banning of backpacks and blankets, blankets <laughs> at the well, house in there. I, I thought this was America. Are you kidding me? Just because you feel safe does not mean that you are safe. 
All those people that got on board those planes on 9-11, they all felt safe until they flew into the to those towers. So, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm just under, under the opinion your feelings don't count because the facts always trump feelings. What's that? Can we go ahead and uh, let's bring you on if you have any comments, questions for Rod. Go ahead. Yeah, a couple comments and a question. I'm glad uh, Rod's on here. Yeah, um, gosh, yeah, you started out reminiscing. That's really cool about your radio start, and then here you are today. My first time on the radio, it was so special, I got my hair cut the night before. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's Kelly's yeah. injecting his humor. Yeah, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, I, I always throw this humor in. All right. Well, anyway, uh, you know, about race, I only like people that bleed red. And if people or someone is bleeding green, then I would suspect they're space lizards, which might explain Washington, D.C. sometimes. So maybe maybe if I was president, I would require um, everybody to have a simple color blood test, you know, or you're bleeding green or red. So uh, anyway, I, I want to ask you about um, – He's an engineer, by the way. That that explains it all, Rob. Yeah, well, <laughs> here's, here's a joke about engineers. What do we use for birth control? Our personalities. Um Anyway, okay. So Rod, um, last uh, last night at the tea party, we watched um, Tulsa burning, um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, in 1921. Have you heard of that? Yes. I'm like, is that is that a movie? As well, it, 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 it was put together kind of a documentary where okay. there was Greenwood where. Uh, bunch of really decent black folk had had a very thriving community. Um, well, the oil boom was happening there. There was like literally forests of oil rigs and they were still segregating, you know, at that time. But the black folks responded really well by having a thriving community, a part of Tulsa. And then there was some hubbub. I, don't, I won't go into details. A big hubbub. And then they, they, they burned, uh, oh gosh, was it 40 or 60 blocks of this? community and uh everybody at the tea party we're all shaking our heads like why would white folk do that to their fellow man it was it was i never even knew that bit of history I mean, have you heard i mean have you heard about it what I, wow there's there's a lot of what what we call silent history and that's just one of of many uh, you're, you're familiar with Mississippi burning, and most people are because of the movie. But be, but before the movie, most people didn't really understand or realize that type of thing was happening. And it's really due to lack of education in our schools, lack of, of, of American history education. And you know, a lot, you'd be you'll probably be surprised to know that a lot of black people don't know their own black history in this country. Uh, so they don't know about that kind of thing. They don't know about the about the Tuskegee Airmen. They don't know about uh Mississippi burning. They don't know about a whole bunch of stuff that involves, you know, their ethnicity as far as history is concerned in the twentieth century. It's all silent to them. So I'm not surprised that people don't realize that. Now you're asking why would white people do this to blacks, and the question is, you know, the answer is very simple. It's it's not just whites doing it to blacks. It's the difference in our skin colors cause some people to be uncomfortable. 
because it's the it's the first thing. It is the most glaring thing that we notice about every. Now everybody can say, well, I don't notice race. Well, they'd be lying. It's the first thing you notice about somebody. Now you may not consciously register it, but you do notice it. You know, you notice if you're talking to another white guy or a black guy or an Indian guy or Native American or an Asian, you notice it. Now, for a lot of people in this country today, they don't register it consciously because it makes a difference to them. They're looking at another human being. But subconsciously, they're registering that that's an Asian. Or just as you're registering a person's hair color, well, that's, you know, you're a guy, and you, have a pre- you may have a preference for hair color, and some guys happen to like brunettes, some like blondes, and some happen to like redheads. Don't be me. Notice that. <laughs> and well, that's well redheads, that's question. my favorite, yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you another question. Well, what do you see as a misinterpretation of history, Republican versus Democrat? Um, which party supported uh, the liberties of the African-American people more, the Republicans or the Democrats, based on history? That's easy. That's a Republican. I mean, the, the first, the first Congress, the first Black Congress senator and representative were from the Republic. In fact, the first uh, uh, representative was actually appointed by white Republicans for Louisiana. Uh, During the Reconstruction. Yes, that's historical fact. So mm-hmm. it's been the Republicans have always. This is why the Republic. One of the main reasons the Republicans split from the Republican Democrat Party. Now, a lot of people don't realize that the party used to be unified, used to be called the the Republican Democrat Party, and the opposition party at the time was called the Whig Party. Mm -hmm. Well, the Republicans and the Democrats had a falling out, and one of the main tenets of that fallout was over slavery. Republicans thought it was evil. They thought blacks should be considered to be fully human because we weren't considered fully human back then. We were Mm -hmm. three-fifths human, so that way we couldn't vote. Um, but they thought we should be fully human. They thought that we should be freed. And the Democrats said, no way. You're crazy. They're not human. And that was the major split. Now, that happened before Lincoln. And Lincoln came wow. on. He said, we're going to run you as our, as our presidential candidate under the Republican ticket. Now, when Lincoln won, that cemented the Republican or the general opposition party as the second party and the Whig party shortly soon after died out. So that's how we got to become, you know, the Republicans versus the Democrats. And ever since then, the Democrat party up until the sixties with the, with the civil rights blocked civil rights. Now here's something that people just don't realize. The Republicans after the civil war passed an amendment to the constitution, basically giving civil rights to everybody, making everybody equal. Now the wording was such that, Southern Democrats thought they could play loose with it. And that's how we got the poll taxes and how we got, you know, intimidation at the polls and trying to prevent blacks from voting and all, all kinds of laws, stuff. Yeah. That was all Democrat stuff. And the Republicans tried for civil rights again for a hundred years, blocked every time by Democrats. And one of the more prominent blockers, well, two of them, I'll tell you who they are were President Lyndon Johnson and Al Gore Sr. Oh, my gosh. And they had the so, opportunity to support so the this Civil Rights stuff. Act of 1964, that was a big block by the Democrats, wasn't it? Well, no. One of the reasons that it, it finally did pass is because, finally, general public 
um, opposition, and, that, and that's mainly due to technology changing at the point. So information could travel much faster than it did back in the 1900s. Um, so the, now, now here's another point. Before we even get to LBJ as president, people don't realize, and this is where a lot of blacks miss it too, John F. Kennedy wanted nothing to do with civil rights. In fact, he tried to get everybody on those bus rides, you know, the civil rights bus rides that started the whole thing. He tried to get them to turn around and just stop it. He didn't want to. He didn't JFK? want to get JFK. He did not want to get. He sent Robert, his brother, to talk to the leaders of that bus ride to tell them to turn around. They refused. So wow. that's. JFK realized that he was not going to be able to stay out of it. And, of course, Wallace forced his hand and all that kind of stuff, so that, that, that forced his hand even more. And so when he got to LBJ finally, you know, he realized that it was basically civil rights was going to be a fait complete. They were going to have to capitulate finally and accept well, there was, yeah, there, there, Wow, that's amazing. Well, there was another factor involved in all this, you know, when Wallace sent his troops and all that stuff and that – lady came out and she dropped her book Forrest Gump came and picked it up for her you know that was another big influence one more thing one more quick thing one of my favorite okay um one of my favorite black people of all time in American history is George Washington Carver Jr. he rose above it all he did incredible things with agriculture. My alma mater, Iowa State, studied there. He did so much for agriculture and soybeans into uh, plastics. Amazing man. He rose above it all, won so much respect everywhere from his studies. He did. Now, he wasn't the only one. I mean, the, again, because of our silent history, um, our, our modern Day, our modern day life would be a lot more confusing and dangerous if we didn't have a black man to invent the traffic light. Uh, women wow. would have a much better time if we didn't have a black man to invent the modern washing machine. And uh, you know, people might still be picking cotton by hand if a black man didn't invent the original cotton gin. Well, mm, oh, sorry, I digress. Uh, but anyway, now just a little little humor there. So let's go ahead and bring Ed in. And then uh, anyone else out there who is uh, I see in the chat or listening elsewhere, uh, if you'd like to uh, speak with our guest tonight, give us a call at 347-945-7428, and we'll uh, get you in. Uh, just I'll do some call screening. I want to see it. Just push the one on your number dial. But I do see this at the bottom of the hour just to let you know that uh, here on Blog Talk Radio, and you may be familiar with this uh, yourself, Rod, that, of course, at the stroke of midnight, at least Eastern time, which will be into our second hour, uh, our full second hour hour over, then we will go to the extended period, which, uh, while still being recorded, and people on the line will still be able to hear the show, if you're not called in, unfortunately, you will not be able to listen to the uh, uh, extended period live. Of course, you will be uh, available to listen to it in the archive or in the podcast. But if you'd like to be a part of it, just give us a call at the next half hour at 347-945-7428. So what we're going to do here is we're going to go ahead and bring it back to you, Ed, if you've got some comments, questions yourself. And then I have uh, some co- questions I'd like to ask you, Brian, uh, pertaining to the 2012 
and then of course the 2000 uh, the running up uh, with the 2016 elections. But first, let's go over and bring it to you, Ed. Go ahead. Hey, I was just talking to a candidate uh, here locally in Florida, and uh, we're going to be campaigning in the uh, Paramore district, which is heavily black, and we're going to campaign on the issue of institutional racism of the war on drugs. Um, Michelle Alexander wrote a pretty good book on it, uh, The New Jim Crow. I just wondered how you guys felt about the uh, 8 to 1 prison ratio and how... uh, you know, the police force reacts to uh, the Afro-Americans having drugs compared to the white race uh, is definitely heavy-handed. And in my experience, I, I think the whites use more drugs than the blacks. And uh, I think it, it's a shame that we're incarcerating so many young black men. We, well... And quite frankly, the way things are going right now, being incarcerated is pro- for a young black man is probably probably going to save his life, considering how yeah. many considering how many black men under the age of thirty don't reach the age of thirty alive. Uh, however, uh, one one of the things that that um, I studied in college, I was in uh, one of my majors. I had two. One of my majors was in criminal justice studies, adjudication. And one of the courses or a couple of the courses that I took had to do with youth. And one of the things I learned in youth was the, the, the psychological impact of how a suspect or defendant looked. And I, I always thought it was it was fascinating because I, I up until college I never really paid much attention to it I didn't know about it and most people don't but one of the things that we found out is is that back in the 80s and 90s and these are these are kind of obscure facts but you can actually look them up but if you were a blonde-haired blue-hot blue-eyed male you got the lightest sentence possible. If you were, generally speaking, if you were a dark-haired white male, you got a little bit harsher. And the darker your skin got, the harsher your, the, the general penalties were against you. Uh, so this is what leads in today where Latinos and blacks are incarcerated at a much higher rate for similar crimes that people of lighter skin tones commit. Uh, the well, other thing... Is, is this- is this in Republican um, districts or Democrat districts, or is it all evened out? Or this is everywhere. This everywhere. is everywhere. Now, now, I'm not going to say that it's due to everywhere. It's, it's due to racial issues so much as it, it. It also has a lot to do with the community that you're in. Now, if you're in a if you're in a a, a suburban community where most people are respected. Well, the studies back then showed that that punishment was meted out pretty equally. There were there were slight differences, yeah, and it leaned slightly heavier towards those of darker skin tone, but it was pretty even. But as you get into the more urban populations, that's when you have the marked difference. And the reason you have the marked difference there is because one, going back to Johnson. President Johnson. Now, Johnson, he has been caught on, uh, on uh, presidential tapes 
basically discussing how he plans to control the black population in this country, the black and Latino population. And one of the ways that he plans to do that is have them vote Democrat. And one of the ways he's going to get them to vote Democrat is by having the, the war on poverty. He's going to institute and bring forth, he's going to multiply FDR's type of uh, uh, public assistance and really focus on the minority population. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, there are, white, there are more whites on public assistance than blacks. However, if you actually look at the percentage of blacks versus whites, the percentage of blacks on public assistance is much, much higher. And then you go down to the Latinos, much, much higher than whites. And that was by design. Now, when you start to take the male out of the household, well, you start to have the breakdown of the, of the family. And that's universal. I don't care what country you're in. That is universal. When you start to have the breakdown of the family, and again, this is by design. When you start to have the breakdown of the family, the family unit, and you take the male out of the household, well, you're naturally going to have an increase in, ch- in children that have problems. And those problems are going to run into the law. And so if you're going to control a certain population, well, you're going to start meting out um, justice, if you will, for lack of a better term, much harsher on those who you dislike. Now, this, again, was by design. And so I, I really, you really can't blame today's justice system for something that was designed to be this way back in the 60s. And, and they, they look at the perpetrator in, in, the, in their city, in the urban areas, as being, well, they're, they're, they're uneducated, and they're uncouth, so they have no chance. So we need, they're, all they're going to do is be a criminal, so we need to take them off the street. That is the thought process, even with a judge who should know better. And the reason why there's no opportunity, because, again, that's by design. There, you know, it, it, some of the worst school districts in our nation – are, are predominantly black and Latino. Right, Washington, D.C., last in the nation as far as education is concerned. Last. And they spend the most per student. So it isn't money's the problem. Mm-hmm. This is run by design. And this is all run by liberal Democrats who progressively yep. get worse. Have you, written, worse um, have you written like a paper or a book on this? Hey, you know what, Kelly? Kelly, uh, I think O'Reilly did a great job. I'm not an O'Reilly fan. You guys know me. But uh, somebody, Ryan, sent me the link. somebody sent me the link, uh, and I put it in the chat just now. Y'all ought to go there and look at that. In his, um, in his monologue at the beginning uh, of, the, of his show that night, he actually came right out and talked about the truth about what's going on in the black community, and that is where he put the blame right there was the breakdown of the family in the black home. And, he, and, and you've got to blame abortion for that. You've got to blame the, the welfare system for that. Um, and, and like Rob, Rod said, it was constructed a long time ago. But now understand that where they began with the blacks and the Mexicans, they planned to extend into the white population and basically all of us who are middle class to low middle class um, 
who have been able to live a comfortable life, we will be in the same position as everyone who is below the poverty line right now. Um, That is what their ultimate goal is because as long as we are poor, we are easy to control. You know, uh, Katie Couric, remember when she accused Christians of being uh, poor, easily, uh, what did she say, easily led or something like that, Um, uh, easy easy to control? Remember that? Uh, Basically, uh, the reason she could get away with saying that because that is exactly how they view uh, those of us. And here's the thing. What she's actually, uh, she was agitated because actually Christians are not being so easy to control. Uh, She wishes we were all poor and easy to control, but we're not getting there fast enough for her, and we're not getting there fast enough for the other elitist um, people. one world order people and um, basically it's all been constructed from long time ago uh, and it was it was all in the works even uh, on, on in that fateful Jekyll Island meeting uh, that's all that had to do with uh, collapsing our economy uh, but they want to do it in their own controlled way they want to do it at the speed that they want to do it and they fight about that. The Democrats and the Republicans and the elitists, they all they all fight about how fast to do it. And, um, you know, because I'm sure that the Republican Party is saying, well, if you wake them, if you, if you do too much at once, they're all going to wake up at once, and then you're going to have a big fight on your hands, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a lot of bloodshed. And the Democrats are saying so. <laughs> you know, they're the Stalinists who <laughs> don't mind if 20, minute, 20 million people die of starvation or, or war. Uh, or the the Maos, the Mao people who didn't mind that 30 million people died of starvation and war and and stuff like that. So the Democrats are in that ball camp. Ball camp to me. That's that's the way I see it. Um, you know, you are you're more right than you than you probably realize. People have to understand that this one world order, one world government did start a long time ago. In fact, it really started under Woodrow Wilson, President Woodrow Wilson. Uh, This is the guy that helped begin the League of Nations. That was the start of one world government, Mm -hmm. one world. And again, because our, uh, you know, our, our, our kids are not really taught history. They don't know this. And you bring up Woodrow Wilson and they, they look at you like you have two heads. Who the hell was he? You know, (laughs) exactly. Education is so important because, you know, that old saying, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it, is so accurate. And we can see it throughout history that it is absolutely accurate. But one of the things that struck me now, actually there were two points in my life that really stuck with me. One was back in the the mid-90s. I was was at the movies at 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 a second run movie with my two kids. And uh, uh, we went to see, I have, at, at hindsight, I have no idea why I took him to see it, because I didn't realize what was in it when I went to see it. But we went to see uh, Robert Heinlein's movie. You remember Storm, uh, Starship Troopers? Well, the movie was nothing yes. like the book. Um, but we went to see that. 
Now, in the be- in the beginning, before the movie started, they always have, and still they still do today. They have the questions that flash on the screen, you know, about all kinds of things. And one was a history question. And it, it, it on the screen it flashed something about uh, uh, woman suffrage and Susan B. Anthony. Now, in the row behind us, there was a a girl with her father. Now, the girl I would assume was probably about. 12 years, no older than 12 years old, 10 to 12 years old. She pointed to the screen because she, you know, she pointed over my head. This is why I was paying attention. She pointed over my head to the screen and she goes, I know who that is, Daddy. That, Susan B. Anthony now. That's the woman that made the American flag. Now, I didn't see the dad behind me, but I could only assume because the, the daughter said it loud enough where the whole theater could hear her. I could only assume that the dad was sinking down in his chair. Because I was sinking in my mm-hmm. chair for him. Wow. The second wow. thing that really stuck with me was a few weeks ago, uh, there was a, uh, it was a YouTube thing, and uh, it, 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 somebody sent me the link, and so I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who did it or who started it or started it and that kind of stuff, but I get all this stuff all the time. And it was due to down in spring break this year, this March, that this guy and his cameraman, they were on the beach basically in spring break, and they were asking uh, college-age-looking uh, people on the beach about the country. He came this one girl, and he, you know, one of the questions was, who, who was George Washington? And he was a young lady, and he asked her, well, who George Washington was? And she said kind of sheepishly, he was a president? I'm like, wait a minute, she's not sure? And he said... He's playing along, and he says, yes, correct. You know which president he was. And then she perked right up and said, matter-of-factly, oh, I think he was the second president after Abraham Lincoln. At that point, I couldn't (laughs) watch. Oh, my God. Wow. So, you know, all of this stuff that's happening today is caused by dumbing down our population. Yep. Those who are in the nut. Whether it be Republican, the Republican elitists, which is which I call the, the you know some people call them rhinos, I call them the blue bloods, uh, you know the elite Republicans, and the and the Democrats. I mean they they are pretty much in cahoots, and we can kind of see you know John Bonnier is a he's a blue blood Republican. This is why the guy is so wimpy towards Obama because he's not really against him totally. He kind of likes what he's doing. You know, and this is the problem that we have in this country. Look, we're supposed to be a country that is ruled by our Constitution, which means you and I, we have all kinds of inalienable rights. In other words, given to us by God, our Creator. Or if, if you don't believe in God, Mother Nature. I don't care who you believe in or what you believe in. There are certain inalienable rights that you are born with that government cannot or should not be able to take away from you, and that was – the Constitution was written to prevent the government from trampling on our natural rights. We have all kinds of laws that trample on those natural rights, and they keep adding to them day after day after day. Every, every day. Yeah. I, I got a every question for you. At law, you lose a bit of your freedom and liberty, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, got a, I got a question for you or two. Do you know where the idea came from? Well, of the law being above the king? 
Uh, well, there was, was there was the Magna Carta. Well, that hey, was all the beautiful. way back to the Romans. When, didn't the Romans think that too? The somewhere in the Roman Empire that became the philosophy. They, so they, they, the, the Hebrews had it first, actually. The Torah was there. That's true. When we were talking about the yeah. Constitution. We were talking about Susan B. Anthony. I'm coming to a question here. But Susan B. Anthony and women's suffrage. And I love the 19th Amendment because of my many years of been that, – that amendment is basically you can vote uh, irregardless of sex. So in my many years of voluntary celibacy, I can still vote. Um <laughs> I guess it's a joke. Did okay. I, hear about, anyway. I, I thought I just heard Kelly. It's not Bart's logic after dark yet, buddy. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Just kidding. So article 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. <laughs> what, what, what's, what's, uh, what's Article 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights? Preach it, brother. Are, are you asking me? Yeah, Article 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. Oh, uh, you know, off the top of my head, I'm sorry. I, do, I, do, I have not memorized the entire Constitution. Sorry. Okay, it's states' rights. It's the hint. I'll give you a hint. States' rights. Is in okay. 9 and 10. That's why Kelly is our constitutional scholar, or resident constitutional scholar. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, I should have warned him ahead of time. Yeah, so 9, nine basically, look, just because we've enumerated these, these powers to the federal government does not mean you're king over all of us. They said it another way in Article 10, which is um, the powers not delegated to the federal government are retained by the states and the people. And what's beautiful about the Bill of Rights, if you think about it, Madison introduced it in Congress after the initial Constitution was ratified and they had the elections, the first session of Congress. The states are screaming, hey, 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 where's our Bill of Rights? Oh, sorry about that, guys. We'll get that right out to you. And, and they did. Well, actually, what they, what they were – there was actually a fight about that. Uh, because there was a faction that believed that if they actually wrote that down in, in a Bill of Rights, that would give the government the power to circumvent them and someday take them away. Uh, you know, our founding fathers were pretty brilliant. They were not, they were not uh, uh, you know, future, futurists or future seekers or, or, or uh, seers or what have you, but they knew the human condition. They knew what humans were like. And some of them were adamantly against the Bill of Rights because they, they – Rightfully so. They said, well, if we list them, then what is going to prevent, the, uh, prevent future generations from limiting other rights and then eventually usurping these? They'll find a way. And they were right. Those <laughs> yeah, were, they, there was an argument. There was an argument. Well, see, here's, here's what I've discovered, you know, studying Magna Carta, Law about the King, five-year bloody civil war, and the King fought against it. But that's another story. Um, when you codify in writing the rights of the people, then there becomes liberty. So a good government, if there is such a thing, a good government codifies the natural rights of the people and secondly gives the uh, people the power of accountability, which to write a petition is actually to a grand jury. That's a whole other story. Citizens watching over the government. But a good government writes it down. Yeah, well, they did, and they said, you know, that's in the preamble. You know, you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And they thought that it was that was pretty darn clear. But again, nothing is clear when you have somebody who wants to rule over you instead of govern. So the, you can write down as much as you want, but somebody who wants to rule over you is going to use what you wrote down 
Uh, this is one of the reasons why I was so afraid of Barack Obama, because Barack Obama was a constitutional scholar. He taught constitutional law. So one of the things that I always said about this guy before he was elected, I said he's the most dangerous man that is on the presidential ticket because wow. he knows the Constitution inside and out. So that means he, he will know exactly how to circumvent it, and that is all he has mm-hmm. done his past years in office is circumvent yeah. the Constitution, and he's been getting away with it simply because right. not right. does he have, he have that wonderful personality that, he, that everybody seems to just fall over on. But he also has that, that, that aspect that he's half black. So now, now you combine that with his personality, his charisma, and now that he's half black, oh, no, no, if, if we go against this guy, we're going to be labeled racist. Well, and he's brilliant. Uh, the man is not stupid. He may be you know, inexperienced, but he's not stupid. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows exactly mm-hmm. how to accomplish He's the first president that has gotten probably 99% of everything that he's wanted so far. Yeah. One way or the other. But he had That's help. That's true. That's true. He's a successful president at administering his agenda out of all of our presidents. But oh, my gosh. If he had help. He That's... had help. There's, there's people behind him making oh, sure I... that he gets what he wants. Yeah, well, and Cindy and Kelly, let's go ahead and uh, first got to do a little program break here. So I do see it's uh, top of the hour in which we are getting ready to go to the extended period, folks, where sometimes we lovingly call uh, Bard's Logic after dark. It's, it's not always like that. Just It's kind of a jab of, of a little joke there every once in a while. Uh, but it is the extended period in which if you are listening and not called into the show, then unfortunately, unceremoniously, you will lose the audio uh, after the second hour of the show, even though the show will be continuing into the extended period. Now, the extended period will be part of the podcast uh, that folks can listen to uh, shortly after the show ends uh, this evening in a little over an hour, uh, but unfortunately won't be able to listen to that part or, uh, more importantly, participate. And so if you'd like to do that, give us a call at 347-945-7428 within the next, I'd say, eight minutes or Uh, You will not be able to listen in or, of course, more importantly, chime in to the extended period of the show. I know it can be late in some areas, so we understand. So, of course, if you don't get the chance to call in, definitely listen to the remainder of the show on the podcast. And, of course, there is the link uh, that you can share with other folks, too, so they can spread the word out uh, with our content tonight. And, of course, uh, they can hear our guest, Rod, as well. Uh, so definitely uh, share that out through email. If you'd like to contact me, the host, uh, go to the Bard's Logic Political Talk website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Go to the contact page, and then you can send me a message to be part of the email list uh, where you can get weekly updates on what the show, uh, is, upcoming show is going to be. Uh, so definitely check that out. And, of course, check out the Patriot Journals Network at www.patriotjournals.com. And then give us a call, as I said, at 347-945-7428. But I do want to go ahead and bring Ed back in. And then uh, then I've got a couple of questions, and hopefully you'll be able to spend a little more time with this, Rod, because I'm going to uh, definitely want to talk more about uh, the 2016 upcoming campaign with a little background on the 2012. Now, uh, someone mentioned, um, you know, back in 2008, I know uh, for me the dream team, uh, the dream ticket in 2008 was uh, always was pushing for Gingrich Rice 
I thought that would be a phenomenal uh, ticket in 2008. Of course, unfortunately, that uh, was not the case. Perhaps uh, Gingrich seeing the uh, perfect storm going against Republicans in 2008, thus decided not to run. And, of course, uh, folks uh, who are, you know, regulars on the show and were here when the show uh, was in the 2012, now that we threw our support uh, behind Newt Gingrich, and I would really like for him to uh, run again in 2016, and I'd like to talk more about that. But first, before we go uh, to 2016, let's bring things back to you, Ed, and go ahead. Ed, we still have you on the line there, bud. Ed is no longer with us, I guess. <laughs> or, Ed, you could be on mute and you forgot you're on mute. That happens all the time. Yeah, I'm on mute. <laughs> there, there you go. go. Thank you, Ed. You're welcome back. <laughs> all right. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it's like. No, that's okay, Ed. I, I, we got a uh, terrible problem in the fact that our school systems are keeping our populace undereducated. Our the, uh, the the JBL Democratic push on telling people they need the state to take care of them, you know, has led to the welfare state and Uncle Sam's plantation. So that's a big thing right there. And then, of course, war on drugs is really, you know, it, it is bad. I mean, it is definitely racist. Goes into their, their uh, hometowns, arrest them. And it causes a conflict, and it causes a racist problem between the black and the white. I mean, the, the uh, demonstrations that were going on in Baltimore yesterday were big demonstrations. I think people are getting fed up with it, and I don't blame them. I mean, it, 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 it's bad, the situation that we're feeding them with our government, and our government's out of control. We need to put them back in places. We need more free market schooling and more... Uh, Christian-based schooling, get them out of the Antichrist schools and get them out of this uh, war on drug mentality. And these are both, you know, uh, supported by the Democrat and the Republican Party. The Republican Party is right there behind the Democratic Party. It took 100 years to get this far. The Democratic Party is leading the Republican Party by the nose. And it's up to people like everybody here on this show to stand up against these statists. Well, we're glad to have you with us, <laughs> and you're probably glad to have us with you, right? <laughs> right. I mean, uh, you know, we're on the same page, but it, it's it's the Democrats and Republicans, not just the Democrats. Oh, yeah. And Republicans oh, yeah. are just much to blame, and they're both pushing this agenda of and the war on drugs and the, the welfare society are both institutional racists and probably do more damage to the black race than slavery did. There are more young black men in prison today than there ever were in a slave field. And we only have to look at each other and say, we're the problem. We need to get out and speak out against this. You know, I have to, uh, well, I, I, you're more right than you realize, unfortunately. And, well, and I'm, I'm not going to give this to, to the, on the Republican side, not, not the, not the cons- true conservative or constitutional conservative Republican base. They get it. 
They've always gotten it. It's it a small the, percentage. It's it's what I call the blue bloods, the the ones that are that are leading the Republican Party now, like the McConnells and the Bonniers. Those guys are the problem. But the problem is is that this is bled. You know, we've been bleeding for so long that people have gotten kind of used to it. Now, I I always say on on, on my program that. You know, we the people are responsible for the government that we have by the people that we elect. And we can make all kinds of excuses. Well, you know, the, the, the liberals come out and they, they tell us that, uh, you know, it, it's all due to money. Well, it's not due to money. It's due to the laziness of the American people who don't want to investigate beyond the sound bites and the 30-second mm-hmm. commercials of their candidates. Because it's easy to, especially today with the internet, it is easy and quickly. Uh, you can quickly find out everything you want to know about your candidate if you just do 30 minutes of research. And those sound bites and those 30 second commercials will mean jack to you. Because I do that, and the, I don't even. I hear those commercials, I hear the sound bites, and you know what? I look at the person and I know what they really stand for. So they, those sound bites and 30 second commercials mean nothing. Now, we have to understand this goes back – now, for blacks, this goes back to um, a long way back, and we have to understand that Democrats have always been behind genocide. And some people will look at, will probably hear that and say, what? Did he just say genocide? Yeah, as in Holocaust. And let me tell you why. There is one organization in this country that is fully supported by the Democrats – and if a Republican was brave enough, there's not a single re- brave Republican that will sponsor or be behind this organization, and that's Planned Parenthood. We have in cities yep. today – I knew you were going to say that, Rod. About blacks being incarcerated. We have in cities today across this country where more black babies are aborted than born. The black population today, not just as a percentage, but as an actual number, is less than it was 25 years ago. Hey, I got a question for you, and somebody else just asked this too. Um, <clears throat> you ever planning on running for an office? <laughs> you know, I um, I okay. well, I'm now just, what's so funny about that, Rod? Rod, <laughs> the, I've been asked. I I've been asked before. It's kind of funny that, and and I've always said, you know what? I I think God's got other plans for me right now. And it is, it's, it's not my time. If it ever comes, then I will be more than happy to do it. And, and I tell, you know, I, I, I always facetiously tell people that, um, you know, I'm running for president in the year 2020. I'm on the ticket for 2020. So be prepared. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> Joe, I'll be waiting. <laughs> that's a, that's really a joke. Cause frankly, um, if I do run, I think the highest level of office I would ever run for would be, governor of my state because i can't stand being down in washington dc I, I i could not mix i would not mix well with them and one of the reasons yeah. why i don't think I went on a national campaign anyway is because i'm too honest i would tell people even what they don't want to hear i don't think i'd get elected well these days i'm afraid of being in washington because you know uh, there's so much talk about you know what's going on with all these Muslim cells everywhere, and are we going to get bombed in, in Washington anytime soon? You know, I'm, like, going to stay away from places like Washington and New York and L.A. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to get scared of those big cities. 
And Cindy, I think your question was a good segue to uh, where I want to go next uh, uh, with tonight's show. And we do have some folks who did uh, call in to want to at least listen in to the extended period. And it's uh, great to have you uh, listening in on the show on the recorded part uh, here. But if you'd like to chime in, uh, just push the one on your number dial, and then I'll get you into the show. Uh, So uh, welcome. It's good to see you uh, here. But let's go ahead and, and, and move over to 2016. Now, as I said earlier, uh, my dream team ticket in 2008, uh, I would have loved to see a Gingrich rise. So I just think that would have been a, you know, and I'm thinking about Connelly's rise, of course. I just think that would have been a phenomenal ticket uh, back in 2008. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't to be. Then happened. And then so I was so thrilled when New Gingrich was uh, running in 2012. Uh, of course, we all seen how that happened after Romney's uh, coronation, I mean, nomination uh, to the, the GOP. And so, you know, what did you think of the, the 2012 uh, GOP primary uh, rod? And then what do you think about the contenders uh, who are in so far, at least they're talking about? And who would you like to see run for uh, at least a GOP nomination in 2016? Oh, a lot of questions there. Well, let's take the first one. Uh, 2012 with Romney, and you know, I didn't. I was I I I I knew who was going to be crowned because it was his turn, and we have this problem in, in our in our electoral process, at least in the parties, that it's somebody's mm-hmm. turn. Yeah, his so, turnism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was it was Romney's turn yep. because you know uh, in in '08 it was it was the war hero's turn. Uh, John McCain, mm-hmm. for those of you in Rio Linda, um, it was it was McCain, and then in twelve it was it was Romney's turn because you know he he was the good candidate, he was the good soldier, and stepped aside in '08. Now, if you if you actually go back to '08 and you look at what happened and why people were so disappointed in Romney back then, is because he dropped out too soon. Now, why did he do that? Because they promised him. If McCain didn't win, he was next in line. That's all there was to it. It is this turnism type of thing. And mm-hmm. all those people in, uh, who got in back then, they really had no chance because the Republican Party was going to be backing McCain, and then they were going to be strongly backing even behind the scenes. It may, you may not have saw it up front, but behind the scenes, they were really running the Romney campaign. And then what happened in 12, unfortunately, was that type of system was, became so blatant and so apparent that over 4 million of the Republican base stayed at home instead of going to the polls, which gave the election to Obama. Now, what we have going on this time around, I think, is a little bit different. And so right now, which is really impressive and promising is that the first three candidates to jump in the, in the ring are, are really pulling towards the conservative base. Now they each have their fan base, no doubt, but I, I'm happy to see them in it. Now, from what I understand on May 4th, we're going to have two other people that are tea party or conservative base favorites. And that's Dr. Ben Carson and Carla Fiorina, uh, Carly Fiorina are, are expected to announce their campaign for presidency. Um, so I look, I, I don't support anybody right now. I am willing to let whoever wants to get in the race 
get in the race so we can have a real honest if, – if that's the case, if, if Carson and Fiorina get in, we're talking the majority of the people, who serious people who probably will get in the race will be real conservatives. So that is going to pull the party to the right. And uh, I'm sorry, but the the, the, the Blue Bloods are not going to like that. They're, they are – look, mm-hmm. from what I understand, my inside sources tell me that Bush really hasn't made up his mind yet. Jeb Bush really has not – and one of the things that, that really screwed up Jeb Bush's decision was uh, Rubio getting in. Now, understand, yeah. they are friends. They really are friends. Now, one of the, and they're coming from the same state. So that's really screwing mm-hmm. up Bush right now. There is a lot of pressure on him well, from the Blue Blood and in the race. They're basically I have a theory t- about that. I have a theory yeah, about that. If you I get think in, only, you know, I think nation. Rubio's only... I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's okay. Go ahead. Well, I think Rubio only came in just uh, to get his name recognition and that eventually he'll drop behind Jeb and, and be his uh, vice presidential uh, candidate. That, you know, I, I've heard that before. That, but that can't be. Constitutionally speaking, so? not, no. Constitutionally speaking, that's not allowed. They have to be from different states. Oh, well, I'm curious, I didn't know uh, that. Where does it say that? Yeah, uh, you would ask me specifically. Uh, the president and vice president cannot be from the same state. Um, I had no idea. What? I usually have a pocket version of my Constitution right next to me, and I don't have it next to me at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, I, also, I think that's... Well, go ahead, Sonny, and I'll make some comments. No, you go ahead. I'll yeah. wait. Okay. Well, what I was going to say is, uh, here, here's what I think. You know, I don't, I don't think Jeff Bush is going to run. Uh, and if he does, it's going to be a very brief one. But I don't think he's going to throw this out of the ring, frankly, because I think he knows that uh, the country is Bush-weary. There's no way that uh, the country will elect another Bush. He'll realize, he, if he hasn't realized it already, he, he'll realize it, uh, you know, pretty short, in pretty short order. So I don't think he'll even try. I, mean, I also think he, he knows that when Rubio gets in, and this is just my opinion, but I think that's how it's going to go, is I think the Rubio is going to be the uh, GOP establishment's uh, baby. I really do. I think they're going to throw their uh, weight and support behind uh, Marco Rubio. They're going to try to use that to get the Latina vote. Um, I really think he's going to be their, uh, the GOP establishment's darling. I really do. I think that's what, what they're going to uh, – and then I hate to hear that about Ben Carson – uh, getting in, and then words why for Ben Carson. Not that I don't particularly like him, uh, but actually, just what I've been seeing is Duke Gingrich has been kind of throwing some, you know, support uh, towards Ben Carson, talking about Ben Carson, you know, about him even running for 2016, and kind of makes my uh, heart sink because if Carson gets in, that even means uh, a less likely chance uh, that Newt will get in, and because Newt will be throwing his support. Um, I'm sure, and an intellect behind uh, Ben Carson. So that kind of takes some steam out of my strike. So I you know, would really love to see Gingrich run again because I think he would make a, an excellent an excellent president. I think uh, Mark Prasik, who is the founder of the Patriot Journalist Network, said it best. He said uh, when the uh, we lost, when the America lost the opportunity for Newt to be 
uh, our president. Uh, we really lost an opportunity to have a national treasure uh, be in that, uh, that position. Uh, so it looks like uh, we, we may not get that opportunity again, much to my dismay. And um, so that, that's pretty much my, my thoughts and feelings on on that. So let's go ahead and uh, bring Kelly back in. As I said, I do send some folks on the line. I've just pushed the one on your number dial if you'd like to chime in. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring it back to uh, you, Kelly. And then if, if you've got anything more you'd like to uh, say, let's go ahead. But go ahead, Kelly. Like, woohoo! Oh my gosh, Ben Carson? Oh my gosh, I got a buddy who's totally liberty minded. He's like, he should run. That's exciting. Um, I, I got a question here. Yeah, I've been kind of seeing that. Go ahead. Yeah, I yeah I want to I want to get to a question here for Rod. Um, you know, but when I think about um, Obubu, I did it again. Sorry, Obama. When I think about Obubu and FDR and FDR and Woodrow Wilson, I'm like, ah, swear it, swear it, beep beep, swear it. Oh, I'm sorry. I excuse my French. I as an engineer hanging around with contractors who are filled with a plethora of explicitive superlatives. And it rubs off on me. All right, so I'll control my language. All right, anyway, uh, but I think about what's going on, and I want to ask Rod if he knows of one fundamental flaw in the Constitution, which has allowed Obama to do what he's doing. Well, that's a that's a rather interesting question, and I, you know what, one thing I always do is is I always tell the truth, and if I have no idea, I'll tell you. And at this particular juncture, other than what man has done to twist the Constitution, I don't know. Attorneys don't even know this. It has to do with your right of petition. Your right of petition, this is Adderley versus Florida. It's also uh, Bureau of Duryea versus Garnieria, 2011 case. Your right of petition is to a grand jury. It cannot be blocked. Eric Holder, according to Daryl Isa, uh, Government Reform Committee chair, um, Eric Holder has blocked petitions to grand juries. Why is a grand jury so important? Well, it just happened to take Nixon out of office. Oh, everything's fine, internal investigation. We're we're just fine, no problem here. And March first, nineteen seventy four, the famous Watergate seven indictment came out. Uh even Attorney General the former Attorney General John Mitchell was indicted, Ehrlichman Holdeman, um Chuck Colson, blah blah blah. All right, the grand jury, see this is going on. Now in order to have a grand jury investigate, they have to receive a petition. If you block the petition, guess what? <laughs> no indictments. You can get away with murder. That's how Ted Kennedy did, actually, with Chap Quitting. Um, that's details of another day. But the Fifth Amendment actually protects someone. No person shall be held to answer for a capital other or otherwise infamous offense unless under presentment or indictment by a grand jury. No presentment, no indictment, you can get away with murder. You block the petitions. That's what Eric Holder is doing. That is a, and, and by the way, who appoints the attorney general? Oh, that's right, the president does. Oh, so you got your guy covering your back. It is well, a fundamental I, flaw in our constitution. Well, I think Holder actually has some cover on this one. And uh, I fully understand what you're saying. And and now that you mention it and bring it up, you're absolutely correct in your, in your reading of the Constitution. However, 
the problem is is that there were people that were trying to bring a form of petition to the to the attorney general and to, and to, to a grand jury. They were they took this the, their concerns their arguments to federal court. The problem is is that judges have started to do something over the past thirty years that is very troubling. They started to introduce this thing called standing, uh-huh. and the way that judges have given holder cover is by saying these people who are bringing these so-called charges against Obama based on his birth certificate and other issues is that they do not have any standing. They don't have standing because they have not been hurt. Well, they actually have because every citizen can be hurt by not having following the Constitution of the president. However, the court is saying that you are not directly affected by this, so you have no standing. And they're basing it today based on precedent that has been set over the past 30 or so years when it's first started, when this whole notion of standing first started to appear. So it's not just Holder doing this. He's been given cover to do that simply because our judicial branch has been falling down on their constitutional duties. And I'm not just talking to the Supreme Court here. I'm talking – you know, right. judge is going all the way down to the local level. There is no such thing as standing. But this is something relatively new as far as the history of our country is concerned. And it's what they're using more and more often in all kinds of stuff. Now, you don't have standing to bring this lawsuit. You don't have standing to bring this type of accusation. No, BS, I don't. I'm an American citizen. And under the Constitution, yes, I do have standing. But just because I haven't been directly affected does not mean I do not have a right to come forth with my complaint. But the courts have been saying, well, if you haven't been directly affected, then you have no standing to bring forth your complaint. That is something new. Hey, Robert, I really like this guy. I wish I could get on the show and talk about the grand jury. Yeah. And there is a solution to this, well, by the way. Yeah, well, I call well, real, quick, real, real quick, Kelly, I gotta I gotta do this more program noting stuff. You know how I'm you know multitasking uh, behind the scenes here. Um, I am chatting actually, uh, I believe with this PR person, Laura, and uh, we're just chatting here on Facebook uh, on some things. But he did. Uh, it may be time for uh, him to have to go. Uh, there may be some things that you have to attend to that you make me aware of, um, Rod. So if you got to go, of course I'd like to give you this opportunity. Uh, to go if you need to. Uh, of course, you are welcome to stay on till the end of the show if you can, but if not, uh, we totally understand and appreciate uh, how much time you've given us. And, you know, of course, you're always welcome to come into the show. So, you know, I'll go ahead and leave that uh, to you, whether if you got to go uh, and work on some things. Uh, of course, we completely understand. Uh, but if not, as I said, you're welcome to stay. Well, what's your thoughts? I, I, you know, guys, I really appreciate this opportunity to be with you. I, I do have other things I need to accomplish before I have to hit the hay. I'm a, you know, I'm a workaholic, um, and and right now I am really working very hard on my my particular show. And uh, but but you know what? This is this is a team effort. I am. I, I always say that I'm not in this alone. I don't. I don't ever try to pretend that I'm in this by myself. So I would I would definitely welcome the opportunity to be able to come back and, and chat with you guys. It's it's been I you know what I, I learned something by being here too. So yeah, it's <laughs> I don't I I'm the type of person that I actually believes that you need to learn something new every day. And I learned something here tonight because I don't know everything, 
I know some people may think I do, especially when they, when they're listening to my program. I don't. I don't know everything. I know close, but I don't know everything. <laughs> it, it's hey, Rod, right. Rod, I want I want to ask you uh, while I, you're on the phone here. I, I want to sure. ask you if I can get on your show and talk about the grand jury because there is I call it the 1504, and it's very powerful, and it can get to a grand jury, and if they know their power, we can see another Watergate. I've researched this. Hundreds of hours on the right of over a hundred hours on the right of petition alone, plus writing the book. You're writing a book? It's already published. It's called the Hidden Force yeah, yeah. the Grand Jury. Uh, what, the Hidden Force Branch. Yeah. Um, I am I am actually in the middle of actually changing my live broadcast network, um, so it would have to be in May that I would actually okay. be able to you on would be the earliest so if you would uh please speak to my pr agent and because she's she really controls my schedule now and the the, laura is absolutely fantastic and she's she's been a big help with all of this and um yeah she she does everything yeah Yeah, Yeah, we can can make that happen i'm actually talking to her as we as we speak so (laughs) we're we're chatting here on facebook as we speak We'll, we'll get the connections going when uh when we go Okay, I'll, I'll send her the please. link to your uh, your oh. Facebook. You could chat, uh, Kelly. Okay. Uh, I I would love I would definitely love because you you very much sound like a very intelligent person on the Constitution. I would love for people, my listeners, to be able to hear this as well. Um, and, and obviously, you know, you sound a little bit more um, educated on the you know the Constitution really isn't that complicated. People just have to know it, but. They have to know it from the right people, and you are definitely one of the right people. So that that, that would be a good thing. Well, good. Well, I'm accused of being a scholar. It's real simple. I read it, <laughs> study it, look at <laughs> the case law. Um, that's not hard. Well, hey, I'm glad you came, Rod, and I and I, I loved what you said about turns because uh, I, I've been feeling like that's that's the way it is for for years and years that everybody was just waiting their turn. And you know what? I think that's why Hillary hates Obama so much, because he brought it in line. Yeah. She was supposed to be the first uh, minority by being a female, and then he came along and trumped her. Mm -hmm. Well, somebody somebody trumped her. Uh, I don't think he did it by himself, but, you know, that's another story. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming. That was nice of you to come, and we hope you'll come on again sometime. I definitely will. This is this has been a joy. Thank you very much. Thanks cool. again. That was great. Thank you, Rod. You take care. We look forward to, uh, to hearing some of uh, your shows there as well. Good night. Good night, Good Rod. Good night. Well, folks, uh, we like to, we do have some more. Uh, oh, it looks like uh, we uh, Ed has dropped uh, the call as well. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and do some chatting with Laura. I've already sent her a link to your Facebook, uh, Kelly, uh, for her to okay. uh, get in contact with you. So you can look uh, to get on uh, some of the show to go uh, shows to talk about that as well. Um, you know about your book and also uh, about the grand jury. So you guys uh, go amongst yourselves. I do uh, have a few other folks in line who I may see if I'd like, they'd like to come on. But uh, first. Uh, Cindy, let's bring it to you. Back to you while I do some behind-the-scenes things as I do. Uh, go ahead. Uh, did you say me? 
Did he say me? No, he said Cindy. I'm not muted. I'm here. <laughs> um, well, well, uh, I, I, I didn't really, I didn't want to change the subject if we were um, on a particular subject, but um, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but you know, we've we've been having this Russian thing going on over there, and um, Russia is still. Uh, uh, oh crap! What's the <laughs> I'm so sleepy, I can't think. <laughs> what is the... Ukraine. He's still over there in the Ukraine, uh, uh, you know, terrorizing those people. It's not in the news, and I think that's on purpose. I think they're trying to keep it quiet on purpose. But, um, you know, we've been worried about this, um, you know, if you get Russia mad, they're going to start dumping U.S. dollars. And apparently, yeah, it, in recent uh, weeks, they have been doing just that, um, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens because as soon as enough, excuse me, as soon as enough people start dumping our dollars, uh, especially in the communist countries, because um, they'll all stick together, uh, our, we'll have such, <clears throat> we'll have a complete loss of wealth here in the United States, and uh, we'll end up. Uh, Poor people before too much longer, uh, because we have spent ourselves into oblivion. We're going to be like um, the family down the road that is thirty thousand dollars in debt on his credit cards, and he cannot pay them. So all he's paying is the interest on them every every month, and uh, he's he's in over his head, and his his debt is increasing and increasing and increasing, and um, uh, we're, we're going to end up in real bad shape here pretty soon. And it's all because Obama and his friends and the progressives who want us to uh, get into this new world order uh, don't want us to have our prosperity. They don't want you and I to have our our prosperity. And um, like we were talking about before, they started with the black people and the Mexicans, you know, I think they were just like a test issue. They were like a, a test group, um, and now they're they're going to go ahead and uh, use their plan on all of us. But here's the thing: we, um, if we don't get some candidates in there that are true conservatives that will fight this stuff, the type that are like Scott Walker and Cruz and some of these guys that are standing, uh, Ron DeSantis that's standing up against it in the in the House. If we don't get more of them in, we're going to be in big trouble. What's nice about uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, well, with this, this Rubio um, uh, running for president, I think he's going to uh, give up the governorship next time. And uh, uh, Ron DeSantis will be running uh, for, excuse me, Rubio. <laughs> Did I say governorship? I meant the Senate. <laughs> Rubio is going to uh, uh, give up his Senate seat, or maybe Ron DeSantis is just going to run against him. I don't know, but it's it's thought by the the Senate conservatives that he's going to. Um... Hey, Cindy. Whoa! Cindy, what sorry for interrupting. You realize that I don't I don't like to do that, but we've got Susan on the line, and she's got some information for us about something we talked about Ooh. tonight about having cool. a president and vice president from the same state. So let's go ahead and bring because we only have. 
uh, less than that, you know, really about only 25 minutes, but I have to unfortunately close things up tonight. It's been a great show. So let's go ahead and bring in Susan. Uh, thank you very much, hey, Susan, for uh, calling to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, fine, thank you. Um, yeah, go, go ahead with what you found for us. Yes, they could be from the same state. But the 12th Amendment does say that electors may not vote for a president from their state and a vice president from the state. So it's the ones in that state. So if the running mates in the same state carried their home state, there could be a problem. And the electors would vote for their presidential candidate, but they have to vote for an unknown vice president, which could cause the vice president candidate to fail to get a majority. Apparently, Bush and Cheney sidestepped that problem by getting Cheney to establish residency in Wyoming. Ah, that's right. They were both uh, from Texas, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. I would bet uh-huh. that's the only time they read the Constitution. <laughs> yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. I would say that Hillary, Hillary in order to run in New York, even though that, for the, what was it, the Senate or whatever, she had to actually move there, too. Right. So, yeah, um, that, yeah, that happens probably all the time. Right. Now, whether Shaney is in Wyoming all the time or splits his time back and forth, I don't know. Right so maybe now. Jebby, yeah. maybe Jebby boy will move out to Texas with his brother. Oh, please! I don't vote for anyone who is part of the New World Order, the CFR, the Bilderbergers, or any of that stuff. <laughs> so Jeb is out for me, definitely. <laughs> well, Rubio is too because of his amnesty position. Well, that's, yeah, see, that's why I was surprised that someone was tooting, uh, touting Newt Gingrich because he's part of the Council on Foreign Relations. And being a member of the John Birch Society, I am real up on all of these groups, the skull and bones and everything. And do you, people, yeah, but do you really think that, that Gingrich is a part of them, or do you think he, he joins with them in order to collect information? I uh, know. Really because it seems like it. he does. He seems like whatever he does is exactly the opposite of them. And like when he when he did his contract with America, um, they were all for the contract with America until after all those Republicans got in there and they got control of the House. And then Newt Gingrich started actually fulfilling all his promises. And then what they do? His own party hit him with these like a hundred different, uh, absolutely frivolous, ridiculous charges. Um, that none of them ever uh, came to fruition, and um, and it's like they were mad at him for actually being a reformer. So I, I really I have my doubts about whether he. I know that he's a member of the CFR. No. I know that he uh, is friends with a lot of people in there, but I know mm-hmm. other people that are friends with with them too. But that doesn't mean they're part of the New World Order. Well, he and, he did support NAFTA. He's not pro-life. There was a lot of things. He's, you know, yes, he had some good things, but they all managed to find one or two good things. Uh, what is the old saying? Uh, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn now and then. Well, now, so that's another just, thing. I thought that he was pro-life, too, because I, I checked his voting record on pro-life, and he was like uh, 90% uh, pro-life on all his votes. 
Well, I don't know unless he just he said one thing and voted a different way. But I do know he was a NAFTA supporter. But then many of them were, including Bush. So, well, um, I was a NAFTA I was a NAFTA supporter at one time too before I really ah. knew what what it would do. So you know, it, it, after you you know, some people learned a lesson afterwards. Uh, it actually backfired on some people that thought that it would work. Um, well, you would think, but now look how many Republicans are supporting from Graham Dahl and the TPP to push it through. Well, I, I don't, I don't know enough about that bill to comment on that. Ah, I've been but putting it, it in my group. Lots of stuff. <laughs> um, maybe I didn't hear you right. Say that again. What, which bill are you talking I've been about? Post, I've been posting lots of stuff from Alipac, Members USA. Uh, Dick Morris, all against it. I, I've been posting it in the group. Okay. Um, well, I don't go on your group. For, I, I posted in your group today, but I didn't have time to stay there at, at all, so I didn't get to see what you had on there. I'll go back and um, and look at it again. Yeah, because this I, is really, really important to defeat it. And um, we have, I think it's Lindsey Graham and some of them all for it. You know, they're okay. they're always they're always the rhino. Which, by the way, I've heard of a new name, which probably fits Rubio. Um, have you ever heard of a Sino? C I N O. No. Sino. No. Conservative in name only. <laughs> oh, that's oh, funny. Got it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> this is like a what, what was What was the name of your group again? Huh? Government bites. bites. Government bites. <laughs> yeah, you're in it. Oh, yeah, I know that page, yeah. Okay. So um, I'll have to uh, somewhere put your name so you see some of the TPP stuff and can look at it. I've got a lot of petitions against it and stuff like that. But yeah, Irish. Well, here's a – Real quick, since we're bringing up new, I got an audio clip uh, that I want to play for you folks, and you and you can take this uh, as you may, and then maybe do some um, more research on it. But this is some comments, uh, and it's only about a, a minute and a half clip. Uh, but this is the news response to someone asking him if he's a globalist. Patricia Sullivan has our next question. Rich, the Tea Party movement has encouraged citizens to get engaged and get informed. Research has led some to label you a New World Order, One World Government Bilderberger. Are they right? You know, that's a list worthy of a Mitt Romney ad. I mean, that's a... (laughs) I am a very strong defender of American sovereignty. I co-chaired a task force in the United Nations with Senator George Mitchell, which called for the United Nations to be radically overhauled. I am prepared to issue a special order blocking Agenda 21 from being implemented. I have, I have never been to a Bilderberger meeting, and it almost sounds like a novel, frankly. Um, and and I, I am committed deeply and passionately to American exceptionalism and the principle that our rights come from our Creator, that we are different and that we should never allow American exceptionalism to be submerged 
in any kind of international order because by definition most of the world has not yet found a constitutional system that protects their rights. So I think my record is pretty clear on that. Let's uh, be that as it may. Uh, you take that uh, uh, as you think, but that was his answer to a direct question on whether uh, he was for that. And here's also Newt on Agenda 21. It's the United uh, Nations proposal to create a series of centralized planning provisions where all of a sudden your local city government can't do something because of some agreement they signed with some private group who are all committed basically to taking control of your private property and turning it into a publicly controlled property. And I think uh, everywhere I go in the country today, people, are, particularly the Tea Parties, are very worried about Agenda 21. It's part of a general problem of the United Nations and other international bureaucracies that are seeking to create an extra constitutional control over us, and I reject that model totally. The United States is a sovereign country. The United Nations does not authorize anything to the United States. And the United Nations does not have any control of the United States, and we want to make sure that that remains our, our core value as we go forward. Yeah, he, he, he does really good speeches. I grant you that. Well, as I said, you know, we'll, we'll go off those words, and I do uh, do research both, uh, you know, some years ago, and then uh, pr prior, one of the things we do. Uh, promote, uh, especially for those who are on the show, list to the show for uh, the, the time it's been on, you know, that we do recommend folks to do their own uh, research, both on uh, issues and candidates. That was part of what we were doing in 2012, is vetting all of the candidates. And when we did that, uh, we definitely found that it was Newt Gingrich who was most supporting of our uh, support uh, with what his record is and what he's done uh, for the United States and for, uh, you know, the country, especially, you know, when we talk about the contract of America, I know Cindy was uh, mentioning that earlier about the contract uh, with America. And I remember hearing something from Romney when we were talking about, um, you know, about Romney and his campaign. And, uh, you know, there's some things he had to say about uh, con contract with America and let's see if I could find that here for you, um, where he talks about what his thoughts were. were oh, well, yeah, here it is. This is what Romney had to think of contract of America or with America. Uh, let me tell you, in my view, it is not a good idea to go into a contract like, like what was organized by the Republican Party in Washington, laying out a whole series of things which the party said, these are the things we're going to do. I think that's a mistake. I think instead that if you want to get something done in Washington, you don't end up picking teams with Republicans on one side and Democrats on the other, entering into a contract and saying, okay, we're all going to do this, and then, of course, that works, then the other side feels like they're the loser. But if it wins, they feel like the winner. I don't like winners and losers in Washington. I'd rather say let's get together and work together. Oh, my gosh. I, you're just bringing up why <laughs> I cannot stand that man. Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> Well, I'm just trying to reinforce, you know, the difference between what we could have had as a candidate in Newt Gingrich and what we ended up with, and then what we could possibly be looking at again in 2016 if we allowed the Republican establishment to uh, get away with what they did then 
and force someone like a Marco Rubio down our state. I didn't support Romney. So. <laughs> well, I'm trying to I mean, find somebody who did. <laughs> oh, okay. I do have some videos, Cindy. I'm going to send them a private message. And um, I suspect you know who um, Art Thompson is, right? Art Johnson. I have heard of so him. Um, uh, and John, also. And John McManus. Hey, and also when you write, when you give me that link, would you also put the link in for your um, your group again? Because I I'm not finding it here, and I don't know why. Because I just well, posted I it. Today. I called you. I called you to a, uh, a thing, so you should show on your messages that I or your notifications that I called you to a thing. But I will. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. Um, and. Um, I will send you. John McManus is the president of the John Birch Society. So I will send you his videos on a couple of them on uh, a couple of these things. Okay. Well, one one thing is for certain. When you're talking about candidates and their speeches and their their stances on things, the only way you can really tell whether a candidate is for or against something or, you know, the only way to tell what he would do as president or governor or senator, et cetera, et cetera, the only way to tell is to go ahead and elect him and then see what he does. Um, and to me... Or go by their record. Exactly. you got to go by their record. And to me, Newt Gingrich had... Um, I mean, nobody's going to have a clean, absolutely 100% clean record for you. I mean, that's... It's almost impossible to find somebody like that. I mean, you look even Rick Santorum was just a total union man. I mean, hundred percent down the line was a union man from right. the get go. And, and yet well, he was also against other... the Tea Party too. <laughs> right. Well, see, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna vote for a guy that's that kind of union. I got there are battles uh, that I will fight, or you know, I, I'm gonna pick battles very carefully. And I have issues that are on the top of my list. Pro-life is one, and and non-union is the, is another one. And and there's just there's like a, a list of five things that I won't won't tolerate in in uh, the person that I that I vote for. And I I just remember when I was doing the research on Newt that the the things that he actually did in the Congress were. Um, were were basically uh, uh, up my alley. I mean, he he was hitting he was pretty much hitting ninety five percent of of what I would do if I had been in his situation. And um, I posted where is that? I posted. Uh, uh, it's an interview with a guy named. Um, um, Bo Calloway. I don't know if anybody knows about Bo Calloway. He was uh, the son of the man who uh, uh, developed Calloway Gardens in Georgia, in Pine Mountain, Georgia. And uh, Howard uh, Bo, Bo Calloway was way up in the um, Republican uh, Party in Georgia. And he was interviewed uh, and asked some questions about Newt Gingrich. And he sort of gives the story about how Newt Gingrich came 
to be where he was and what his uh this was a behind the scenes uh expose about the thinking of of Newt Gingrich and about his actual political uh, viewpoints behind the scenes where he sat in think tanks with people and talked about things that he believed in. And I was very impressed with what Bo Calloway had to say about what Newt Gingrich would say in the background. Huh? Definitely send that to me. Yeah, whatever, Uh, yeah, the link or whatever. It's on my page. It's on my page. It's titled Interviews, Howard Calloway, The Long March of Newt Gingrich, Frontline PBS. Uh, it's a it's a thing on. Um, it was just a uh, an interview with him. He's he's gone now. Mm-hmm. Bull Calloway died recently, but um, basically this is an awesome piece showing. Uh, I mean, as much as you can in an interview, uh, uh, revealed a lot about Newt Gingrich that that um, most people probably don't know. And uh, I I see more of a change in the way the Republican Party did things as a result of Bo Calloway and uh, and uh, Newt Gingrich's influence in the background uh, than I see ever before, um, even in the Reagan years the inner workings of the Republican Party did not do as much changing as they did during the years that uh, Jack Kemp and uh, uh, Newt Gingrich and some of those guys were in there uh, in, the, in, their, in their era of, of importance. Um, now, I'm not saying that everything he did was 100% because he did some compromising on some things in order to get some things done, but you know, he was working with an, uh, with a Democrat president, a very liberal Democrat president, and he was working with a, a Democrat Senate most of the time, too. So when, when he can get things done for the positive... Um, right, for the conservative, in a right. Time, yeah, in a time when conservative, I mean, Republicans had almost no power in, in the House for many decades, and yet he changed things and shook things up enough that uh, he was able to do that. And, of course, now Bo Calloway is very um, uh, humble in this article, but he himself had a lot to do with um, uh, Newt Gingrich's, uh, 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 the changes in the Republican Party. And uh, we we just recently, uh, I'm from the water skiing world. I was a professional water skier, and we just recently... Just the other day, last weekend, I was at our, our annual Hall of Fame induction banquet, and we did a lifetime uh, honor, honoring uh, honor uh, award for Bo Calloway. And so somebody had put, put this video together, and guess who appears on the video? Newt Gingrich talking about Bo Calloway. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, wow. he talks about how he, um, you know, he... He was very influential in, in the Republican Party. So there were a lot of guys back in that era that were working behind the scenes um, that uh, they were doing a lot of work in these little backroom uh, think tanks and stuff. 
and he changed, uh, Newt Gingrich was able to change a lot of people's minds about how they were working things and how they, and, and giving ideas about how they could get things done despite the, the lack of power that they had. And of course, you know, his contract with America thing, which pretty much swept in the Republican, uh, uh, uh majority, uh, and, and the reason why they were able to, um, Institute all these uh, new strategies, basically, is what they were. But anyway, um, yeah, so- I don't think Newt will win. I, I mean, I don't think he'll he'll. Um, uh, I don't think he'll run for president this time. I really don't. I think he's having so much uh, fun. I'm, I'm fearing that myself. Yeah, I, I, I think hope so. Maybe having- like we get, there could be enough support for him to do it. Um, especially yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, think about this, folks. You know, whether you were the Newt Gingrich supporter or not, or what have you, is think of this: is he beat Hillary? Let's be be frank. He he beat Hillary into you know in the eighties. And let me tell you something. He will beat her again because she. I mean, I I I have no doubt, and there's no doubt in my mind that Hillary Clinton will be the Democrat nominee for you know, in 2016. No doubt in my mind whatsoever. None. Mm-hmm. Newt beat her in the 80s. Okay? Newt will beat her again mm-hmm. in 2016. You know, he, you know, he, beat, he beat Hillary, Hillary Care and President Hillary when, you know, Ben was in office or supposedly in, in some kind of office or orifice or whatever. Mm-hmm. He could do it again, well, I think and you know I think the other folks in there, maybe, maybe. But I have no doubt in my mind that Newt Gingrich could beat Hillary Clinton, none whatsoever. Any of the other candidates that are up there, including Scott Walker, including Ted Cruz, you know, if there's, there's, but even Ben, maybe even Ben Carson. Okay, uh, I, you know, I still think that Hillary could, you could beat those. Just me, but you know what? I was right before about Romney. That's all I got to say about that. Um, <laughs> So I think you're right. Uh, hey, I think I, you're I, absolutely I, right. How much did I rail? I mean, even even you got to admit, and I'm not one to toot my own horn, and both you and Kelly and the and the listeners here know that. And I'm normally not one to toot my own horn, but I, you know, I not just me, we were saying for months, even at the early onset of the GOP primary, that I mean, even one of some of the very first shows, I remember the title was "Why Not Romney." Why not Romney? And now some of the very, I think my very first show was titled Why Not Romney. You know, so look back, you know, I mean, you know, in, in the archives. I mean, even in the very beginning, I knew, you know, I knew what, you know, Romney was, wasn't it. And here, here we are, another four years of Obama. You know, so I'm just saying, as that saying goes, <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> You know, that's all I'm saying is I, I predicted it 2012. You know, I'm just saying in 2014, Hillary, I, I don't care what anybody says, Hillary will be tough to beat, and she'll be even tougher for other certain, can, you know, other candidates. I think Ted Cruz, yeah, frankly, would have a hard time like with her. her. What's that? Candidates I know. Well, well, even if they had somebody like, a, you know, a Ted Cruz, or even a Ben Carson, in my opinion, um, you know, up, up, up against her. I still think that they would have a difficult time. But I think if it was, uh, but I think Gingrich would, 
would just would blow her out of water because Gingrich, I mean, uh, you know, and Ted Cruz, I don't know much about Ben Carson, but I mean, and Ted Cruz doesn't seem to be afraid to back down, you know, when it comes to any, um, you know, bringing things to the fore, maybe getting a little, his hand dirty a little bit, you know, or maybe more so, you know, telling it like it is. I don't know how much Ted Cruz in a 2016 against Hillary Clinton would, would bring up Benghazi again. Okay, but I think Gingrich would, and and the thing is, is he would bring it up in such a matter of fact, you know, historical intellectual way that you know he's like, look, I'm not, you know, that he can make it be where it's not negative, it's just the truth, it's the fact. This is what happened. This is where she was, you know, without it, without it being you know negative campaigning. He's got the ability. He's got the ability to do that that others I don't think would. Yeah, or even right. maybe not be able to do or wouldn't do. Who do you think could beat Hillary, Susan? Ron Paul. Okay. You, you mean Rand? Paul. You mean Rand Paul? No, Ron. Well, what do you think He's about good. Rand? Well, I could hope, but I definitely know Ron could have. I, I because she she applauded him once. She said. Uh, I, I I pulled it up several times and I googled it about Hillary and Ron and she said I admire him. She she's scared of him. She admires him because she said his people are passionate and he's passionate. And, you know, and they said stop, stop. You'll keep encouraging him. <laughs> this was right in one of the meetings. I think she really respects in a weird way uh, Ron Paul and is a little scared of him. Well, well, what do you think about Rand Paul, though? Do you think he could beat Hillary, too? If he's given the chance, uh, I think there's a, a shot at it, yeah. But I don't know that he'll that the establishment would give him the shot at doing that. Yeah. Anybody well, decent, I, I think... Because anybody decent could possibly face, like, Goldwater, They're, even the Republican Party turned on him, and he was a decent guy. Um Kennedy was off. Um, I think anybody who would be decent might face some kind of threat. Reagan was scared to do some of the things that were right because they deliberately threatened him with the bullet. And so that makes me really nervous. And I saw the Bilderbergers, and one of the guys said, if we could get all Ron Paul's followers on a plane and then get down and kill them all, we'd be happy. So um, this was said right into a camera. So they they hate anybody who's decent, and they would destroy them if they could or are able to. So I don't know. Yeah, you know what? It's it's getting downright dangerous to be a patriot these days, isn't it? Yes, very, very. Um, Well, well, I hate to say it, ladies, um, and I I agree that's what I hate. Well, I oh, hate to say it, ladies, but I actually have to um, get ready to close things out for this evening. So let's go ahead and get uh, some closing statements before I have to uh, close things out with our, you know, closing song uh, that we have each uh, each episode. And so let's go ahead and bring it back uh, to you, Kelly, with a couple uh, minutes with some closing comments, and then uh, you, Susan, and then we'll leave. Uh, you with the other comments, and then me. So each one, each person takes literally about a minute is all we got uh, for some closing thoughts. Go ahead, Kelly.
Kelly's and then wasting Kelly his probably minutes. have muted himself. Go ahead. <laughs> Kelly. All right, well, we'll, we'll wait for Kelly to un- un- unmute himself. Did you? You there, Kelly? Okay. Well, I was chatting with him some on Facebook. Maybe uh, he'll get back a little bit. But let's go ahead and let's bring it over to Susan. Just for about uh, uh, maybe not even a minute for some closing thoughts because uh, we only got about seven uh, left in the show. So go ahead, uh, Susan. Well, I, I was reading something they call Battlefield America, the War on the American People. A government which will turn its tanks on its people for any reason is a government with a taste of blood, a thirst for power, and must be smartly rebuked or blindly obeyed in deadly fear by John Folder. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, well, there you Susan, go. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, definitely uh, a couple things. If you haven't uh, went uh, checked us out on Facebook, uh, just uh, look at Bard's Logic, Political Talk, and the search, and you'll find uh, the page. And uh, there's also a, a little group there for Bard's Logic. Also, if you'd like to be part of the email list, uh, just go to bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, uh, go to the contact page, and you can send me a message there to be part of the email list. Uh, where you could get uh, email updates on the upcoming and uh, previous shows. Uh, so uh, check that out as well. And uh, definitely hope that we can have you call back in and uh, be a part of our roundtable discussion again. I appreciate it, Susan. Uh, so go ahead, Cindy. Oh, well, uh, make it brief, and then if we could get Kelly back, then I'll close things out. Go ahead. Yeah, it was really good having you on, Susan. I appreciate you coming. Uh, I think Newt, Newt Gingrich is a moot point anyway because I don't think he's going to run. I think he is so happy with his wife. Uh, just running around doing whatever they want to do, traveling, and just having a great time. Uh, I wouldn't run for president if that was my life. I mean, what <laughs> what would be the point, right? But anyway, um, he was he was passed up by the establishment, and I think the reason why he was passed up was because they knew that he would reform, and he knew they knew that those things he said in twenty first contact with America were going to be fulfilled if Newt had anything to say about it. But it's all moot. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, I will go to your site, and um, I'll read. I'll uh, watch that um, video uh, or read it. I, don't, I can't tell if it was a video or not. But anyway, um, as far as uh, Rod is concerned, man, it's so good to have somebody like him on. Um, just such, uh, I, I put in my post when I was advertising that he was a breath of fresh air, and that's the way I feel about it. And I really appreciate people, young people, and you know, people younger than me, getting a brain and uh, getting involved in politics and and having an opinion and doing the the research and uh, vetting candidates. I'm just very proud of people like that, and I'm so glad he was on tonight. Well- and I don't, I don't know how young he was. I mean, if he had children in 1995, um, and he was taking them to the movies, and I think they're around, you know, kid, kid years. Uh, I don't know uh, how young he is, but, <laughs> but he, the picture well, look uh, like he's got too many years. But, but Kelly, let's go ahead and uh, bring it over to you. Literally got a, a minute, then I have to close things out. You still there, Kelly? No, well, I got a message from him on Facebook, and uh, actually, it looks like uh, we won't be hearing uh, from Kelly. But thank you, of course, as always, come back. Uh, love to hear you on the show, and uh, thank you very much. And I know he we be 
he can be contacting uh, Laura there, and uh, he may be making an appearance on uh, Rod's show as well. But I will be ending tonight's show, as I do every night, and that is by the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. That's with a B. And thank you very much, everyone, for coming. Uh, definitely share the link with people. Uh, email it to them uh, so that they can listen to the show as well, uh, so they can share the content uh, and hear uh, also. And so take care, everyone. Good night. And we will see you next week when we will have on Christina Timmons, uh, where she will be telling us about what her work in Washington, D.C. has been about and fighting for the Constitution versus what uh, our illustrious, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, president has been up to. So take care and good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you.